Hey everyone, this is Jake from Tasting Anarchy. We've got a classic episode this week. In this episode, we talk about a, a range of topics. It was from several months ago before I moved to Texas. Uh, in this episode, one thing I, in particular I thought that was funny was that I keep pronouncing Halo Top ice cream Halo Top, but we also talk about uh, yeast contamination, the genealogy of my family, what does Audit the Fed mean to each of us, and the ongoing war in Yemen. So I hope you enjoy the show. Down in Petersburg, everything's fine. All lamb cats is drinking that wine. Drinking that mess is their delight. When the kids are wrong, start singing all night. Drinking wine's for the to drink wine. Wine's for the to drink wine. Wine's for the to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Drinking that mess is their delight. When it gets a rump, start fighting all night. Knock down windows and tan down door. Drinking half gowns and calling for more. Drinking wine's for the to drink wine. Wine's for the to drink wine. Wine's for the to drink wine. Welcome to a hot and balmy tasting anarchy with your host, Jacob Lindsay, and joined by the other host, Mason Joseph. Um, it's like we're in Vietnam, man. Yeah, like yeah, sweating yeah. it out. Like it our, our Syria, I guess. Well, yeah. I don't know if it's bomb. Well, I guess on the coast, maybe it's bombing in Syria. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait, wait, no. President Trump's around. It's bombing yeah, in it's Syria. Bomb- it's bombing. That's true. <laughs> oh yeah. man, that's an awful, awful. It is bombing. Joke. <laughs> right. I am so sorry to have made that joke. Uh, well, yeah. To, like we're you know we record out of my apartment here in right. uh, beautiful Norfolk. Uh, not in the most beautiful part, but it's next to the river. Yeah. So it tends to be there. A little, there a little are some nice humid. places. Um, and uh, and and just southeastern Virginia in general is pretty hot and humid. Well, and, and then your apartment doesn't allow the air conditioning right. to come on until. They have a yeah, it's a weird it's a weird deal. Day. So and I and actually I think we've gone over this in the show before that the entire building's heat and AC is controlled from a central central location. So we can turn on the individual units in our apartment, but they only do hot air in the winter and they only do cold air in the summer, but there's a turnover point that takes mm-hmm. a couple of days. So right now it is blowing not hot air, but it's not really blowing cold air either, so it doesn't really do any make any difference. It does help circulate the air a little bit. Yeah. Um but so we've got our and you only have the one ceiling fan. Yeah, one ceiling fan. Yeah, so and it's it's you know not not the greatest apartment, but yeah, not for long. Not for long. Yeah, exactly. So th- so today uh, I picked the wine. Yeah, and it is um, and I brought my wine folly book mm. because I would read this wine's title as petite petite. Mm-hmm. It is not petite petite. Oh. So because this book these are. This is a blend of two French grape varietals, um, and the first, well, the, it's 15% uh, Petit Verdot, Petit, so that would be, I guess, the second word, so Petit, so it's Petit Petit, ah. um, and the and it's uh, 85% um, Petit, Petit Syrah. Syrah, yes. which you thought so, was a white, but it's not a Syrah. It's a petite Syrah. It's a different varietal, so which is interesting, and that's why I brought the book because I was looking up some interesting things. They're both grape varietals. Mm-hmm. The petite Syrah is a um, it's a combination of two types of French grapes. It's the combination of the Syrah and. A, uh, a apparently it's a small varietal grape that is only grown in the southwest of France called Pellerosin, and I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but I'm sure it's in the book somewhere. Oh uh, yeah, I was gonna say like the the pronunciation doesn't sound French, but what you're saying right doesn't sound like it would have like a French 
way yeah. of saying it. Right. So, I mean, it's P-E-L-O-U-R-S-I-N. Pelorosin. I, that, so. that would be as close as I could get. Yeah. So what's, what's interesting to me about this wine, so, uh, it's a petite, petite, uh, is that it is a blend of those two, but both of those grape varietals are known as blending varietals. So they're not the primary varietal for most of those types of wines. So this is, they're usually meant to fill out the bouquet and fill out the flavor profile of something that's more subtle. So, uh, it's interesting. So let me, let me ask then, mm-hmm. is the Petit Syrah yes. a blending one or a Syrah normally a blending one? I don't know if Syrah is normally, but Petit, Petit Syrah, Syrah oh, is, okay. and, and the Petit Vero, or I don't remember how I said it, uh, Verdot? Verdot. Verdot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually the Verdot is normally used in Verdot. <laughs> so, uh, but that was kind of interesting to me, and so like... Just because I was going through the Wine Folly book, which is mm. available on Amazon, and, and we may have a link up for by the time this airs um, for that, so you guys can get it there. It's a pretty pretty cool book. And if you buy through our link, you know we get a yep. little bit of help, which mm-hmm. uh, helps us do silly things like yeah. pick up uh, wines that we can't pronounce. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and the other reason I picked this one, other than it's just interesting to me, is but the primary reason actually I picked this up is because it was on sale um, at Farm Fresh <laughs> going out of business. Which is yes. pretty much the typical reason we pick up most of our wines. The pick, other reason, yeah, though, that, is that we pick up uh-huh. different wines. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But this is—it's because it's from the uh, Michael Michael David Winery, which is the winery that makes Freak Show, mm-hmm. which is what we compare like every single Cabernet to. Yeah, well, it was and, our, and a lot of red wines. It was our general. inaugural uh, Cabernet, and it's the outside of the one we had last. Last week from Pinot from Hollow Mountain, mm-hmm. which was the birthday wine. Right, which was wonderful and, and it, very interesting. Yeah, it is the most unique of the Cabernets that we've had. So, like, Freak Show has, like, a almost like an iron taste to it to me, but not, like, where you're like, this is bad. Like, it, right. it's different. And this, like, I can kind of taste the, the feel of what they're, like, the, like... If you had given me this without telling me it was from the Freak Show family, yeah. I might not have picked up on it. But, like, if you told me, like, later, like, these are by the people who did Freak Show, I kind of – it seems like it's got some of the same flavor to it. Okay. Um, but it's the I, same region. I yeah. Mean, the, well, the winery is the same, they, and the the all of these grapes that they use are from the, um, the Lodi area. Yeah. So, speaking of the Petite Petite um, – so the bottle is really interesting because it's got a very a much very exaggerated neck, yep. and it's very stout when it widens out. It widens out to more than a normal wine bottle. But what's cool is the top's got the kind of like pennant, like it's a like mm. a the big top, like the big show, right. and then there are two elephants on it, which kind of makes me laugh. Like petite petite, right. like. I wonder if there's, like, if you knew French, if there yeah. was something, like, some sort of joke in the name. I know that, like, La Petite is, like, the little one, mm-hmm. uh, or little ones, or something like that, so I wonder if it has something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, just, and the only reason I know that is because there was those, that chain of, like, daycare centers mm-hmm. called La Petite. Yeah. And I always thought they were interesting. Uh, but yeah, it is, and I haven't tried it yet. I'm trying a new thing that I read about in Wine Folly okay. about trying it, and that is that they say like to try to pick out when you smell it three fruits, and that that will help you. Mm. 
And so what if you have a broken nose? Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, <laughs> you know, I, I can't I, smell crap. Yeah, right. And, and your allergies are up. They are. But, and I can't really detect three fruits. It does, it does smell like. It smells like grapes. <laughs> I mean, like, to be crappy about it. Like, yeah. that's, that's always one of those things. Like, when I was first, like, I was, you know me, like, I, I was very against wine when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was just like, oh, joking, like, oh, you taste the, the, the thing and it's uh, not right. grape. And I'm like, I like grape. And then you realize, like, most of the grape you're you're having is, like, conquered grapes. And it, it's oh, yeah. not, like... It has a very different flavor. Yeah, though. not like when you eat, like, a, you know, standard green grape. And you're like, I really like standard green grape flavor. And then you're like, oh, grape jelly. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. This is all high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> like, this isn't even grape. Jacob has tried the I'm wine, which, it. which, uh, very interesting to me. I, I've, I, maybe I've not noticed it, but it, it looked like he did chewed it, like kind of that classic wine tasting yeah. mouth, except for he didn't spit it out, which no, no, I appreciate gonna, he didn't do. <laughs> yeah. Out, uh... That's money. <laughs> well, I mean, so what, what I'm trying to, de- to de- determine now is that there are ways that they say that you can detect different flavors. To me, this is pretty good. It's, it's rather tannic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is not particularly acidic. But I would expect it to be more acidic than it is. Yeah, I've had four sips of it. Yeah. And each one has been different. Right. Okay. So I'm getting a lot of heat on the back of it my throat have, yeah. for a second there. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I was going to just have some really bad heartburn. Like I normally have a bottle or a hydro flask full of water yeah. during the show because I obviously since I don't live in Jacob's apartment, I have to drive <laughs> home. So I try to stay as hydrated as possible to right. not really be dangerous out there. And obviously if I did feel dangerous, I'd call my wife or an Uber and just, you know, take care of it that way. Um, but like normally with yours, like when they're super acidic, I have to have a sip of water afterwards. And I thought I was really going to have to. And then it actually calmed down like all of a, like as I was saying it. So this is a really interesting wine mm-hmm. for like, it seems harsh. Yeah. Like a very, it, but that's what I think about Freak yeah. Show too. Like oh, okay. Freak Show is kind of in your face. There like is, I mean, it's yeah. called Freak Show. I mean, that's right. kind of the point. It's like in your face. This is definitely it's unique. Yeah, and I like it. And but it, it's one of those ones that like I like it over Freak Show. Mm-hmm. But I also like most Cabernets more than it. Right. Okay. Where like if I'm having a cab, like I, like when I have think of a cab, I don't necessarily think of Freak Show. Right. Like yes, I do because it's the one you you know kind of like oh this is our inaugural wine. Like I think yeah. of it that way. But like I would pick this over Freak Show. Okay. But if I was like in the mood for a cab, like I would try a different cab. Got it. Okay. Like I wouldn't necessarily be like oh I'm gonna go get like Petite Petite. Right. Unless I was like I need this acidity for something. Yeah. Because like, it, it is it does seem very acidic, but also well no and not it. Acidity? Uh, I would say no, it's not very no, no, acidic. No. It's yeah. because I would say that it's more alcoholic, like burning. It's hot. It's yeah. a hot wine. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, but not acidic, but very tannic. Yeah. I, I very always... full bodied. Uh, it does have like a heavy mouth feel, but it's not, uh, but like flavor wise, as far as like fruits and off flavors and things like that, I mean, it tastes kind of like a red wine. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's, that's... you know, maybe like, maybe like, a. I wouldn't say a sour cherry, but kind of like a cherry flavor, maybe plum. Well, you know my classic uh, wine wine drinker's yeah. dilemma. Red wine tastes like red wine. Yeah. Whites taste like white. Like right. yeah, that. Yeah. But, you know, that's the, you but know. Do you, do you detect any sage in it? 
I get sage and parsley and oregano and that kind of family of spices mixed up in my head all the time. Like, I like sage and I like sage in things, Mm -hmm. but like, I really like parsley. Okay. Which I then get confused with oregano. (laughs) Like, I love, I like all of them. I think they're good flavors, but no, I, I don't. I don't necessarily. Yeah, I don't either. And the only reason I bring that up is because in Wine Folly, it says that's one of the common flavors in the uh, Petite Syrah. Ooh. And that that's someone that, but it, it has to do with the temperature of the climate in which the grape was grown. So if it's a warmer climate, it seems to be more fruity. If it's a colder climate, it's more herbal. I, so this is definitely more fruity, and yeah. we we can say that with authority because Lodi is in the Central Valley, yeah. and my wife is from the Central Valley. Mm-hmm. So in the Central Valley, it can routinely just be 105 mm-hmm. for three weeks, yeah. and very little rain in the little very little right. rain during the year or during the summer and it's mainly rains during the winter yep so yeah and so, even then like when it's the winter it's like 45 yeah 50 yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's it's california yeah california <laughs> like, it's not the mountains <laughs> no it's not the mountains uh, so let me go ahead and, re- and read you what they say about this particular yeah. wine. So, and real quick, this yeah. is the 2015 variety. That's correct. Yeah, 2015. So they this is uh, 14.5% alcohol by volume. So interestingly enough about this, I discovered this this week, the alcohol labeling laws for wine in the United States allows you to go 1% up or 1% down from what it actually is. So this could be between 13.5 and 16.5, or 15.5, and they would be allowed to label it whatever they want as long as it's within that range. So it's from when they tested originally, because apparently, like, oh, yeah, yeah. The, it, it, it will continue it, it will continue. the bottle. Yeah. Uh, so there is some leeway. Um, that's, that's interesting, and that it, makes sense. It is interesting, yeah. And, uh, I, and just, they, they were saying, like, when you, taste wine sometimes it does taste a lot more alcoholic and you look at it and you're like wow there's only 13 percent alcohol or whatever they say well no it, it can be 14 percent if it's labeled 13 because they they will test a certain number of the barrels that they're doing and they're not all going to be the same yeah the, there can be different you know depending on the oaks there right. can be sugars in there yeah, yeah. it's yeah, that's a very interesting thing and uh so like that leads some said some light on the wine we had last week yeah. which could have been up to 15.9 right. which is yeah, yeah. really strong it, it is that is very strong um this actually has a ph of 3.62 which would make it very acidic. Yeah, which I but I don't really detect an acidity in it. So um, well, and this is this is something that I always kind of get wrong, and you've done a little bit better of job describing it. Mm-hmm. Is tannic versus acidic? Right. So like I kind of have those as the same thing in my head. Mm-hmm. So well, this is how I to the listeners, I guess I would describe it. And actually, I do get a little bit more acidity now that we're like sipping on it a little bit more. So tannic is the texture of your mouth when your teeth stick to your gums or stick to your lips or like your tongue sticks to the roof of your mouth that's tannic acidic is when you take a sip and you start to drool okay so okay that's that's like okay that's the difference in in those two flavors because they are sort of close flavors because i think a lot of things that are acidic do tend to have that effect on your mouth where it kind of dries it out yeah and um but it doesn't have to. Like, we've had some that are very tannic, but we're not particularly sick. Now that we're sipping this a little bit more, like, I do feel like it, maybe on the, on the very tip, it's, it's more acidic. Or it feels like, like, it on the front of my tongue, uh, more so than on the back. Cause, like, once you swallow it, it's just hot. Yeah. So uh, here, here's what I'm going to suggest. When you go to refill that glass, mm-hmm. get a small glass of water. 
and drink the small glass of water. And then we'll re-talk about the wine again from that point. So what did what did, what do they say about it outside of the, the stuff we've already covered? Um, well, it's, it's aged 13 months in French oak. And French oak will tie into my article because it's uh, just because... Because of the tariffs? No. <laughs> well, not, not because of tariffs, but I was reading... I, I, I saw it on this. I was like, huh, 13 months in French oak. That's interesting. What does that mean? And so I went and found a news article about it where they're explaining the difference between French oak and American oak. They mention Australian oak and some other things as well, but they, but they specifically were talking the difference between French and, and American, so I'll get mm-hmm. into that in a, in a minute. Um, as we said already, it's 85 per sent uh petite syrah and 15 percent petit verdot uh both of which are um full-bodied red wines they're they're um, both used to add body to lighter bodied red wines or to mix with uh other full-bodied mm-hmm. red wines to give them more complexity uh so but i'll read to you what uh well there's one review that they said full-bodied black uh black fruit and vanilla I don't really detect any vanilla, but they say vanilla, and that would be from the oak. Mm-hmm. Um, slightly dry finish that lingers on the tongue. Yes. Uh, and I would say that is correct. Then from their website, which they redid their website, and it's really cool now, but it doesn't give a huge amount of information. Um, it's all but flash. But, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, not it's flashes in the... Maybe it's flashes in the Wait, coding yeah, language, but be. I mean, like, <laughs> it's like flash in the pan. Like, yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. what For those who don't know... That means when cooking, like when you have that flare up of fly, fire, that's what yeah, that means. Right, right. So now they did give some information on this, um, a lot of which is on the back of the bottle. But um, <laughs> but so I'll, I'll go ahead consistent? and read it though. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 not exactly the same as what they have because uh, on the back of the bottle they also give a little bit of like history and stuff. But mm-hmm. this is what they said on the website about the 2015 specifically. So uh, a blend of 85% petite petite Syrah. And 15% Petit Verdot. Our 2015 Petit Petit is a dense, inky, opaque wine bursting with ripe berry flavor and pastry aromas. I don't really detect pastry because I would think that that sounds, smells more yeasty, but, um, whatever. I mean, I just took out of my one nostril that I can breathe out of today, I took a huge sniff and I only got rubbing alcohol. Okay. Okay. Like I started getting other flavors and then like just massive yeah, rubbing alcohol. alcohol. Okay. So rich and weighty, uh, petite Syrah, robust tannins are rounded out by the softer, lush mouthfeel of petit verdot. Flavors of summer blueberry, puffed pastry, black pepper. Black pepper. May- yeah, that, for that sure. I would agree black with pepper. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and vanilla stretch out over a seductive, lengthy finish. All right. So this is, this is going to be completely off topic. Yeah. I really now want to make a puff pastry <laughs> and then like kind of cook the berries okay. in a pepper vanilla sauce. Oh, that'd be interesting. To just match that because that sounds amazing. <laughs> like to me, like, you know, I, I know you don't like, I, I, you know, you're lower, lower, lower carb intake. And I generally try to keep a lower carb intake. Yeah. But that sounds, sounds like good. a really good dessert. Yeah. And pastry has always been my weakness. Yeah. I'm not, not like, I'm not really into like... Well, actually, I do like ice cream, but not really into candy and things like that. Yeah. But like puff pastry, puff yeah. pastry, like or like donuts or pie, not cake so much. But uh, but those types of things have always yeah. been my like the hardest part for me living like a low carb existence. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so and then they have some food pairing notes that I copied just because I know that you always are like, oh, I'd pair this with like fish. The complete opposite yeah. of whatever. Right. And <laughs> they say so. Uh, Winemaker Derek de Vieres loves to pair petite, petite, petite with 
juicy prime rib. Okay, so. you could, it definitely would cut the fat. Yep. Then yep. you were talking about you had Beef Wellington the other night, yeah, and this night, yeah. would go really well with Beef Wellington. It, it actually, it would. And I, I thought about ordering a, a nice glass of, like, cab or something like that last night with the Beef Wellington because mm. I was like, oh, man, that'll go really well together. But Victoria bought me for my birthday this really, really great red blend mm-hmm. um, that I cannot remember the name of, but I took a picture of it. That's fine. Um, and it was, it was super, super acidic, <laughs> uh, but like very, and also very, very hot. So it was mm-hmm. like a very acidic, very hot wine. It's very interesting. Hmm. Um, I might get that again, except for it was expensive. Oh. Uh, speaking of which, this is normally, uh, 1899 mm-hmm. total wine has it for 1899. Um, it was on sale at Farm Fresh because they're going out of business, but Farm Fresh had it marked up a dollar, so I got like a, a buck sixty off, <laughs> and so it ended up being roughly the same price as Total Wine, <laughs> a little bit less, but um, it was, I, I kind of liked like the it, part of the you know we talk about subjective value and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Part of the fun of a sale is buying more than you really need. <laughs> it can and, be, or thinking you're getting the deal. Yeah, think you're getting yeah. a deal, and if, even if you discover you didn't later, like especially for the wine, like I didn't get a single wine so far from that Farm Fresh closeout that I didn't like. So and I, I had two varietals that I had not had. Well, this is this is yeah. the second varietal that I hadn't had before. I. I've never had a Merlot as far as I know. My guess is I probably have, but uh, just never made note of it or anything. I had a Merlot that was decent. Um, Not really one that I would get again just because... I mean, I, I would maybe try the varietal again, but that particular one, I was just like, okay, it's good, but like, you know. It's one of those ones where it's like, you get two of them, because it's on sale. Yeah. You try the one, you're like, all right, I may not try this again, but because it's a variety you've never had before, mm-hmm. then you try several other Merlots, yeah. and you come back, and you're like, I just don't like Merlot. You know, like, it, be, is yeah. that like what you find yeah. out, or is it like, no, like, this one isn't that great. It's like the New Zealand Pinot Grigio. Sure. Like, it's just different. Right. And it, it's not, it's not what we go in for. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like that's that's like I so for those don't that don't know um early March uh Farm Fresh the super value company that owns Farm Fresh which is a local grocery store 33 of them but they've been here forever. Oh, yeah. Growing up they were the high scale grocery store mm-hmm. compared to Food Lion when I was a kid that wasn't like this place called like Farmer's Jacks which was like really supposed to be a farmers market but like a grocery store is weird. Mm-hmm. Um but Farm Fresh was the one. And so, like, Farm Fresh, um, they sold off most of the stores. Some of them are going to close, but they've been liquidating the inventory at most of the stores. Mm-hmm. So there's there's one close to my house, and then there's uh, one kind of close to my house. Yeah. And so last night I hit both of them. Oh, okay. And then went to Harris Teeter to buy ice cream. Yeah. Because, like, I was like, I wonder what the deals are like. And they had, you know, like, I ended up getting this sweet Riesling that my wife really likes, um... And then a bunch of jam okay. <laughs> because the jams were on sale yeah. and they were like fancy jams. And right. I was like, my wife makes Sunday breakfast usually and like yeah. I'll have an English muffin. And so I got some fancy jams to have on it. So it's like, oh, black cherry and then like apricot and then this old French recipe. So right. I I know the allure of sales. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Speaking of uh, ice cream, uh, have you tried the low carb uh, ice cream? Hel- I think it's Holo Top or H-O-L-O. I've seen it. It's pretty but- good. Well – I've had a couple that were not great, but mm-hmm. um, the their mint chocolate chip is pretty good, hmm. uh, and it's low carb and low calorie. It's it's pretty good. I like I like it because like I've had a sweet tooth lately, which yeah. is unusual for me. But I think it's just because we've been so hardcore low carb. Yeah, and uh, so I like my body. It was like I gotta have some sort of treat. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that isn't wine. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and I and I have actually been drinking way more wine than I normally yeah. drink, and that might be part of it. Is that like I my sweet tooth is like, come on, man. 
and uh but uh we've got this ho- hollow top and mm-hmm. they had they had uh vanilla at farm fresh and banana chocolate banana or something like that um a couple other flavors that we we got and mm-hmm. uh the chocolate banana was okay the mint but this mint chocolate chip i was like this is like real mint chocolate chip it's great and it's real low carb uh, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. One of the things about this wine is that it is aged 13 months ah. uh, in French oak barrels. And so that leads me to my article, which is, I guess, really the extent of what I have to share this week. Uh, and the article is by uh, Nellie Ming Lee. Um, it is from Post Magazine. The title of the article is Wine from French Oak or American Oak. What what uh, a difference a barrel can make. And so just to kind of summarize the article, she goes through and says uh, what the difference between American oak and French oak is. Mm-hmm. Um, and French oak is really interesting because there's a number of forests that they that they harvest their oak from. And just like all of the wines in France, it's regional. They call them different things. The barrel size is different. Uh, and the barrel size really affects flavor, which is interesting. Um, that makes sense because – It the- does because you have – more surface area on one and 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 a smaller barrel even though it has less surface area it's affecting the wine in a more concentrated area yeah i was thinking because one of the things that happens is like um like in whiskey making it's Mm -hmm. like the loss to the angels or something like that which is the amount that's absorbed into the wood of the the barrel and that was another thing that they said in this article is that uh because wine is absorbed into the barrels the second hand barrels will be used for something slightly different and then the third hand barrels will be used for something slightly different and then that's the extent that they'll use them until they're sent to be refurbished uh and then they're usually refurbished and used for a different type of alcohol uh and sometimes they'll use them again or they'll sell them to americans or something like that but one of the things that they were saying was was different is that uh oak in europe is very slow growing oak Mm -hmm. and oak in the united states is very fast growing oak and so this creates uh the fibers in the wood in america are much wider and so Mm -hmm. they let a lot more wine in so when the when the wine when the oak is breathing and like expanding and tracking based on the temperature, it'll let more wine in and out, which means that it will oak age much faster in American oak barrels than it will in uh, European oak barrels. And also the difference between American and French is uh, the French oak barrels are also naturally aged uh, or naturally dried, mm-hmm. whereas American oak is kiln dried. Mm-hmm. Um, and Americans will also add things to it. They'll add charring and they'll add other things to the oak to make it have a certain flavor. So it's much more of a... I don't want this to sound like a bad thing, but it's more of a, like a factory process. Well, in the it's, it's they condition the barrel. Yeah. So a, like a, the yeah. the European is much more the barrel is what it is, whereas right. like the the American sounds like it's no we're we're shooting America. Like this is one of the things that people like often will be like, oh, European, it's so much better. Right. Like when you talk about something like handcrafted, like. Yeah, well, it yeah. can be like you know bespoke handcrafted can be very nice, mm-hmm. but then you're also like this pocket is three and a half inches larger than this pocket where right. the Americans kind of like, are like, yeah. yeah, our pockets are completely straight, but they are lined in velvet. Right. Like the, there's something that they, a lot of times like the conditioning goes into more. It's like, no, yeah. like the Oak is dirt cheap and worthless. Mm-hmm. So we need to do other things with it sure. to get other varieties. Yeah. And we're not locked into these traditions. And that's right. one of the things that and like, that's, that's part of it. It seemed like when I was reading the article is that there is a lot of tradition involved. And there's also like, you know, this will this will kind of play into the tasting anarchy. There's a lot of legal code associated with French wine, mm-hmm. and and that extends to the 
oak barrels is that there's a lot of legal code there it's a protected cottage industry uh they're all handcrafted and and, and they are in the united states too they are they're made by um what are they? no, they're not cobblers what's it called it's uh a cooper cooper yeah that's right mm-hmm. so they're all made by coopers and like various regions and various uh what do we call uh what are the regions of french wine called again they're appalachians um, appalachians yeah, mm-hmm. various appalachians will have specific oak barrels that they have to use in order to be part of that appalachian so it is a it is very this is you know one of the reasons why the French economy is very slow is that they, there's no innovation involved. It's, we've been doing this this way forever and yeah. we're going to continue doing it. This and this thing is like I don't mind you know like if you want to like just say trademarks exist. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mind if you want to say that you are this specific trademarked product mm-hmm. having to conform to those rules. But I don't think it should be legally required unless it's yeah. you're saying like enforcement of the trade. Like again, like I you know I don't really believe in trademark. Like I do See, a trademark. I, I have no problem. With, I, I do. I, and I, I get, I've had that conversation. Well, this thing before. is like I do and I don't. Yeah. You know, like it's very hard. Like sure. it's kind of like the Jason Stapleton thing. Like we can get government stop killing people, then we can worry about trademark right, versus yeah. copyright. You know that sort yeah. of thing in patent law. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just stop murdering people sure. first. But that that's kind of the, that thought process. It's like okay, and like I, I, there's something to be said about tradition, and like mm-hmm. that's one of the things that drives me nuts. Is you know in my neighborhood, it, like my neighborhood. My house was built in 34, right. but for a long time, they didn't build new houses. They just built extensions to the houses. But yeah. a bunch of the houses that fall into disrepair in my neighborhood keep getting torn down, and these lot monstrosities get put up. Yeah, and where they, they, like, they barely have any yard, and it just yeah. goes like, to the very it, edge. It, and like, they are like they somehow divide the lot like oh, they make was, those really long skinny ones yeah like it, the they're like four stories yeah <laughs> and they, like these houses don't fit the rest of the neighborhood yeah. and it's like why do you want to live in an established neighborhood if the house that you're going sure. to live in has a specifically different mm-hmm. aesthetic that's kind of one of the reasons i like the way that when they tear down the houses in this neighborhood mm-hmm. they they do look newer and they, but they fit usually the aesthetic of the neighborhood. Yeah. So, although my the neighborhood that I live in is very eclectic, so there are a lot of different styles. So and I think it, there might be some. There's some close by historical zones, like okay. Lafayette is yeah. a historical oh. zone. All right, I didn't. Know uh, that. But the so you remember the first house I was trying to buy? Mm-hmm. That's not in the historical zone, but oh, the neighborhood okay. next to it, Lafayette, right. is okay. All right, so, and that's actually very close to here. Yeah, I like I liked that house. It's too. It's a well. Actually, I like your house now. It's pretty cool. Too, well, yeah. But. The 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 other house only had one bathroom. This one has two. But like, the, I mean, there are pros and right. cons in both. But sure. yeah. Oh, right. but anyways, but, but sort of to revisit the oak. Th- this is kind of the primary difference. It seems like to me between the French and American is that American oak is uh, faster growing, so it has. Um, more porous material so it can age much faster Mm -hmm. they do say that uh in french oaks you do tend to let it sit for a little longer american it's like six months Mm -hmm. maybe a little longer than that depending on what you're trying to get out of it um but with the french it's going to be more than a year most of the time uh and so this particular wine is aged in french oak um i don't detect any of the typical oak flavors, like they mm-hmm. did, they did mention in it that vanilla is present. Uh, I didn't detect that. It's clearly not new oak because new oak usually has this overpowering butteriness. Um, uh, but uh, the the article was very interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna post it in the show notes just because because well, it's sort of something I've been wondering yeah, about. So wondering about that informs part of the conversation from last week because remember the um, the Pina Hollow Mountain right was sixty percent. Sure. 66% new right. new French oak. Yeah. And and that actually did have the buttery smell and that's but I, it didn't I remember have mentioning it didn't that. But it didn't have a taste. Yeah, which was interesting. So this may be because the, these are more robust flavors. This right. may be all new oak or a, or a blend of new oak. Yeah. So, but I was sitting there thinking about like what if you did like a barrel that was every other stave was like 
French American, French American. Mm. So like it had like a weird aging pattern, and then you used yeah. like varieties in it that needed longer or less time to try I, to I, see. I think it'd that probably it... be easier if you did like one barrel of American oak, one barrel of French oak, and then just blended the two. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be as crazy as what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. It may, it may, that make create a completely different wine if you did one and like one, yeah. one, 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 one. Um, but like that might be like, that might be fun as like kind of the scratch the top. Yeah. Like these are, this is our 2015 variety. Sure. 50% in French, 50% in Virginia, or, yeah. you know, American oak aged accordingly. So, you know, you're not sitting right. there leaving the American in for like yeah, yeah. 16 months or whatever you were doing with the French. And then like, you know, you don't know until you take the cork out and like okay. the cork's yeah. got a stamp on it or something. Right. Like I, like, I think that would be fun. Yeah. But then like, you know, also that'd have to be a $20 bottle of wine or it's like yeah. 35, but you get both in the set, you know, like, mm-hmm. but that's the thing is like, you and I are always like, Oh, like how do we innovate an industry and yeah. like do these cool, interesting things. And a lot of the winemakers are like, Americans are like, look, 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 we did innovation. Yeah. French people hated it. Right. We've just gotten accepted in the world. Let's not screw with it right. yet. Let's, not do, let's <laughs> like, not do weird stuff. Let's not do American things yet. <laughs> let's, let's introduce like the, the funky sour beer uh, <laughs> bacteria and stuff like that. Or, you know, but well, that's, that's actually, it's an interesting thing. And like the funky, a funky, uh, type, like a, what is it? The Bretococcus or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the one that makes the sour beers. Like, yeah. I'd be interested to see what those yeasts are like in wine. Um, but like, it may be terrible. Who knows? I know Napa is terrified of them. Oh, getting, yeah, they are. Getting up they there. don't want those weird. Yeah. Those weird. It, it's not beers. stoppable. Right. Is my understanding yeah. is it's a, like, once it gets in the air, it's in the air. But what's interesting to me about that is that that type of, of yeast. So my favorite salami is, uh, this Genoa salami that they make mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Uh, the best salami. Well, actually, that's not true. Since I've married Victoria, I've been introduced to like, uh, Skayas Kobasa, which is my absolute favorite salami. Well, I don't know if so it's a salami. Looking, but. looking at the way your wife smiled, I wonder yeah. if it's because your pronunciation is so bad or if she just enjoys the fact that you enjoy the salami. Oh, it's, it's such a good salami. She likes it a lot too. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's a, it's a really, well, I don't know if it's salami. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's similar. It's a, it's a it's dried a, hard meat. So. I was gonna say it's a dried cured meat. Yeah, it's delicious. So, oh, but this San Francisco salami is my my other favorite, and that has um, it is fermented with a wild uh, San Francisco yeast, which is a varietal of the type that you use mm. to make sour beer. So, and that's been made in San Francisco forever. Yeah. So I don't know why the winemakers were not worried about that prior to this. They they were. Okay. Yeah, they were. And, but that was, it also took them a while to realize that it was like how, not vicious, but mm. prevalent that yeast is. Mm. So, but, um, so as part of that, like, um, so speaking of innovative things yeah. or lack of innovation. So one of the things that, you know, you don't hold a lot of cash, right. but I do. Yeah. And so I'm always trying to figure out what to do with the amount of cash I have because we, we have a lot of cash because, Unlike you, like, you know, you don't have any student loans or right. when you did, you, you paid them off. You, yeah. you guys are, you know, pretty much paying your wife's way through school at this point. Mm-hmm. My wife and I both have student loans and we have the mortgage. So we need right. to have a buffer of a larger buffer sure. of cash at any one point. And, you know, you, you got to try to find well, my buffer some, is silver, which, you know, that yeah. takes time to convert and all that yeah. stuff. So, yeah. But, and that's the thing is like, I, I also have enough credit card credit that I could truly get a just the, like, I could make it like a year or more on the credit that I have and not burn cash if I didn't have to, you know, like if, and be okay. So 
what what my question is though is so like there's a a guy Simon Black and he runs Sovereign Man and Sovereign Man is um they 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 do a lot with Peter Schiff mm-hmm. um or they don't do a lot with Peter Schiff but you know they they're in the they're in the same kind of market as Peter Schiff they they uh like their whole point is like having a second passport like right. he lives in Chile and he's got like one of the largest blueberry organic farms like coming up in the world like He's a really interesting guy and, you know, as part of some of the stuff that I'm doing behind the scenes to, to change my life and in my career path and everything like that, um, they brought on a tax expert and this guy's a tax attorney and this guy, not Simon Black, but this other gentleman. And he was super interesting to me. And then Simon, he's Simon Black's personal attorney. So I was okay. like, holy crap, like the, these worlds combined, you know, and I was like, you know, and Tom Woods has introduced me to the, the thing I'm doing. And then, you know, like Simon Black's tangentially related, like all these things are, I'm just super excited. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is going to be great. So what I've been wondering is, and Simon Black was talking about this, it's kind of like, how exotic do you get chasing return? Because like, you can't put your money in the bank and get, you can't get a return. Like the bank's loaning it out at like 16% for credit cards and stuff like that. And I'm trying to get 3% to beat inflation. So, like, you know, my question to you is treasurydirect.com. You can buy the, you know, 28 day T bills, which are, you know, almost guaranteed to right. get your money back. Yeah. They're, so well, they will be, they're guaranteed until they're not. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is by the time that the T bill isn't yeah. guaranteed, I think there are other problems that you, you'll see. You know, it's like I won't have debt because mm-hmm. it will, like, I'll, have been inflated out of debt or I won't live in the country and like they won't be able to collect on me, you know, like that sort of thing. So, but as an anarchist Uh and as somebody who, you know, like they launched 103 missiles at Syria for like unknown reasons that like, oh, the reason's known. Saudi Arabia wants to build a gas pipeline through Syria, which I don't know why they don't just lay an underwater pipe through Egypt or something like that. Like whatever. Whatever the deal is. yeah, Whatever the deal is. But is it wrong to give the government a 28-day loan and bilk you to try to get like 1.48% given that I really can't get better than that mm-hmm. anywhere else. Right. Well, this is – I mean you and I briefly talked about this when we went to that charity event mm-hmm. on Thursday um, for the food bank. Um, and I, I don't really hmm, – I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that like, it's morally wrong or morally not wrong. I'm going to say that, like, you've got to do what's best for you. So you have – so there's a hierarchy of, of uh, responsibility in this world. Your number one responsibility is to yourself. Your secondary responsibility is to your family. Mm. Your third – your tertiary responsibility, I guess, the third responsibility would be to your community. And then it goes on from there. Mm. So and, – and you, and you can break any one of those things down. To subcategories. To subcategories, yeah. right? Because it's so, like – my responsibility is to my daughter before my wife, but right, like my yeah. wife before my parents. Oh, see, I, 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 I have now. Granted, I don't have any kids, so like I've got a weird, I have a weird perspective on it. The reason like I value myself over my wife is because if I'm not taken care of, I can't take care of. Well, her. no, no, no. So like I agreed so, with the. the I'm just the, saying breaking the down the second, the secondary level. I would say that, and this is a really cold-hearted, like weird Jacob position on things, is that you can make more kids. No, see, that's that's the thing is it's not a cold or heart, yeah. cold-hearted position because that's the, the historical yeah. context is you can always have additional children mm. or attempt to have additional children, especially and as a man, like mm. back, you know. Forgive us. Yeah, I mean, didn't, forgive us those who yeah. are not men, but like right. up until a hundred years ago, right. most guys, if they were going to live to a certain point, right. were probably going to get married again. 
well, that, and that's have it, additional children. So speaking of that, which is interesting, you know, I've been doing this genealogy research. Yeah. So Solomon Lindsay, my fifth great paternal grandfather, had seven kids with his first wife, Mildred, or uh, not Mildred, Myrtle, or something like that. Anyways, doesn't matter what her name is, because uh, you're not related to her. No, I am related. To her. Oh, okay. So, Never. but uh, I, I can't remember what it is. Some mm-hmm. old old woman name, uh, and uh, it's Myrtle or Mildred or something I got along you. those lines. Uh, then she died of fever, mm-hmm. which is like the least descriptive thing to, for somebody to die for my <laughs> yeah but this is fi- like so five generations back now right given yeah, your yeah, family yeah. your fa- you know your family has children younger for the, right. for the most part so like that person could have been you know 1880 whereas like in my family yeah yeah, my, so, he, yeah, yeah. so solomon died in in uh 1909 yeah so and my my great grandfather or my grandfather was born in 29 okay or yeah. like no, he was born in twenty one. Okay. So like you know, yeah. that's less yeah, than a le- you know right. less than seventeen years before yeah, that. Yeah. Like this, he passed away, and this is fifth fifth generation fifth, back. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, so so he, but after his wife died, he wet he met his second wife at the ice cream social, and they had five kids. <laughs> so he had like she said an enormous amount of children with two different women, uh, but. When you when you look at the history, just all of them died. Like, yeah. Well, not all of them. Like six or seven of them survived and had kids and stuff like that. But like, you, I've been going through these newspaper articles, and it's like, oh, poor Arlie Lindsay died of fever. It's like, what, the, what is fever? Why do these people keep getting it and just dying? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and actually, Solomon had a horrific death. He had mouth cancer, and uh, and it's like documented in the newspaper where they're like, well, Judge Solomon, he went to so and so to consult with a cancer expert, and. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and they keep going, like, he's not getting any better. Like, they, they so, like, it's so weird, old newspapers, because they have, like, tidbits on, like, everything. So yeah. it's, like, uh, actually, there's one where, like, uh, one of the, that Solomon's second wife gets a, uh, what's the predecessor to the um, record player? Is the phonograph? Phonograph. Okay. So it's, like, so, like, Miss Lily Lindsay, or whatever her name is, uh, will never be lonely again, because she just got an Edison phonograph. And, but that's the extent of the little tidbit. Like, it, it's so weird. Like, it's so weird that these are the things that they do. They have a really good one where, like, his son, Aura, uh, his name's Aura Arley. So Aura Arley went to Kansas City, and he brought back a new pair, a new suit of clothes. Watch out, girls. That's the extent of the article. That's very risque for like yeah. the the time that I'm imagining right. this being written. It was which like, is like 1880. 1886. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just very strange. Like, and where where is this? This is uh, Taney County, Missouri. Taney County. Yeah, Taney, Taney, Taney. County. Yeah. Okay. So this is like this was. We should the, go to Missouri. Uh, well, I, I'm definitely going to go because I'm going to try to track down more pictures of these people. But uh, well, we should go find your family that lives in Missouri yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. And Jay, like make fun of Jason Stapleton because right. he always makes fun of Missouri. Right. <laughs> well, this was this was the frontier back then. So it's funny because like he moved. Well, it wasn't, but oh no, back when when Solomon moved there in the 1860s, it was. That was there was in that because that's All right, the furthest, 1860. Okay, okay that's the so. furthest west of Missouri. So, like, it was, there was nothing there. And, okay, and the furthest like, west in Missouri itself. Yeah. I was like, but Missouri is not the... <laughs> well, it was, it was a frontier of his time. Yeah, I know um, what you mean. But what's, and it's also interesting to me is that, like, just through doing this research, is the way that, like, America was settled by white people is, like, they, they, they're coming east, but they're also coming west. So it's like there's a big gap where they just don't go. 
Oh. So it's like, oh, we're going from Missouri to California. Well, having been through Arizona, yeah. you can imagine why <laughs> right, you right. were like, I'm not going to live in yeah. Phoenix yeah, right, <laughs> until, <live> here. <laughs> until air conditioning comes along. Right, you're like, right. yeah, I'll live here now, <laughs> but I don't have – and then automatic doors where you don't have to touch the door yeah. handle. <laughs> but like – but kind of going back to what you're saying about the treasury bills, is like – so you've got this hierarchy of things that you need to take care of. Yeah. And, and like – uh, and I would say like that your primary responsibility is to take care of your, yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. And so if you need a return on your investment, you get a return on your investment the way you can. Like to me, treasuries are not secure enough. Now they, it is pretty much a guaranteed return until it's not a guaranteed return. But like, and you and I have had this argument all the time about like gold and silver is like, I do have a lot of faith in gold and silver. And I keep it as a security. It's it's not going to give me a return, and I'm not interested in it as like an investment. But I am interested in it as a security. So so my my thinking has my ability to express my concern mm-hmm. has improved in that regard. I've got like four hundred thousand dollars in debt, including my house. Right. I don't need security. Right. I guess I don't sure, yeah. like if if inflation happens, then when I'm out of debt, yeah. Then I'm like, oh, I wish I had security. Sure. But until I don't have debt, yeah. you know, kind of the classic uh, Dave Ramsey like standpoint yeah. of like, why are you investing yeah. when you're like, you know, paying five percent in interest sure. and yeah. that sort of thing? So like, my my thought with the T bills is, so I paid my taxes this weekend, mm-hmm. and I always engineer the situation where I owe the government money. Right. And, well, that's a good because well, you don't want to give them a loan. Yeah. I'm, well, so with the T bills, you have you're giving it all loan. You're just getting the, a return. Yeah, I'm getting a return on the loan. So you don't want to give them an interest free loan. Correct. Right. Correct. And I also paid it with my credit card this time because as I worked out the math, it's like two point nine five percent. So my wife is flying her mother out to visit us in the July. And my daughter has no nieces or nephews on my my side of the mm-hmm. family. And her youngest niece on the other side of the family is, let's call her nine. Mm-hmm. So my mother-in-law wanted to fly her out last year and just didn't have the capital to do it. Yeah. And, well, to be crappy, I didn't feel like paying for that too because sure. like, my wife was giving up all these airline miles that we, and you know, save up throughout the year. Right. And, you know, yeah, it's crappy, but... Like my, my daughter was also not old enough to appreciate it because sure. she was under one at that point. Right. And now that she's almost two, she's old enough to appreciate somebody who's that interested in her that right. isn't like grandma. You know, like it, it makes sense now. So, you know, I, I spent like, I had to pay 4000 extra dollars. So, yeah. but it cost me 80 bucks to pay with a credit card compared to whatever the flight was going to sure. cost, which as you've been, you know, recently doing the numbers on. Yeah. 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 Well, you've known for the last, 15 years flying california is expensive it is well and also pretty here in norfolk because it's kind of like a travel dead zone well that's to get out of here is expensive it's because it doesn't make sense to land in norfolk when you can theoretically land in richmond even sure and richmond doesn't make sense because you can land in dc yeah because it's on 95 right right which is the you know travel court yeah it is it is yeah so i mean it does it makes more sense but it's still frustrating to which is you know one of the reasons it's frustrating why, to all of us yeah. yeah which is one of the reasons why victoria and i chose dallas is just because it's a travel yeah. hub and you know it makes it easier to get out and go other places oh um, man i'm gonna have so many rewards miles hopefully like <laughs> i will just be flying you up like, yeah, yeah screw it come on right, right, well i mean we may have it we're thinking about switching to our to the um getting rid of some of my credit cards and doing alaska I would not get so, rid of any of your credit cards. Right. Or just stop using them. You, you right. use them, but you use them for reoccurring dumb things like right. Hulu. 
So but yeah, well, I've, I've heard that that that, that uh, as long as you're maintaining your your available credit, that getting rid of them. So if you get if you open one for a thousand and get rid of one for a thousand, then it it doesn't actually do a credit. Anyway, it, it, it does. It does not, impact you out of the purview the biggest, of the show. The biggest. So this is actually part of the show. Okay. Because this is how true freedom would work. Mm-hmm. Is what factors impacted businesses' review of you mm-hmm. compared to what the government says about you. So this is actually kind of useful. No. It's the age of your credit. The right. biggest impact on your age on your credit is the age of your credit. Okay. Available credit is important, but yeah. 33% of your credit is the age of your credit. Right. So if you have a, a account you can maintain and keep open, yes, payment history payment history is always best. So right. like or pay, consistent and on-time payments is best. Then the age of your credit and then the available credit ratio. Right. Those are all very important together, but it doesn't functionally make sense to close a seven-year relationship yeah. that's at $1,000 because like, one of the things that happens with credit is if you don't use it efficiently, mm-hmm. they start trying to close it right. to trick you into using it again, right. which is easy enough if you're like me and you're just like, all right, I'll rotate some spending into it. And then yeah. you know you suddenly pile on a bunch of money and sure. then you pay it off the same month. And then they're they're satisfied. Right. So, but it's the age of the credit, so it doesn't make sense to close any of the accounts yeah. if you can put a reoccurring payment on them, or like, hey, I'm just gonna put gas on these. Right. But it also doesn't make sense to open a travel card unless you have an immediate thing that's gonna get you through the minimum spend. Right. Because yeah. if you have to manufacture the spend, or you actually have to then go spend it, and you wouldn't normally. Right. Then it makes no sense. Well, the reason we were talking about it is because we we are planning this move. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of moving expenses we could put through yeah. and so and then that would give us like the initial on the Alaska one is like 30,000 airline miles and and then you can also use the card to purchase more miles well you can do that with every one of them Wait, I see this is interesting to me that they allow this because you, so you can purchase more miles mm-hmm. and then they do deals where they'll be like we'll give you 40% more miles if you just buy the miles yeah see like the Alaska the Alaska card doesn't make a lot of sense because you can get like the Chase Freedom card, like the Chase card I have, the mm. you know the heavy metal one. Right. It's points transfer into almost every program. Well, the, the reason the Alaska one makes sense is because if you buy your Alaska ticket with the Alaska card, you get buy one get one. So and because Victoria and I travel together, we travel for the price of one. So that we, and so, we can use our miles for one ticket and then get an additional ticket for her. That theoretically does make sense as long as Alaska services mm. the destinations that you want to go to. Yeah. And you're not trying to go international. Right. Well, because that's, yeah, that's, yeah, they don't do international. So the, the, again, this is going to be like way too much information eh. for people listening, but who cares? But you know, the places I want to go are Sacramento, mm-hmm. which Alaska flies to, Seattle, which Alaska flies to, DC or here. They don't fly to here. But they go to DC. They do go to DC, which is close. Um, and it's super cheap to fly to DC. Mm-hmm. Um, it pretty, and even, and with miles, it's very inexpensive. So I do have family up in the D.C. area. So mm-hmm. if I was to fly back out here to see you guys, um, well, I have I have family in the D.C. area too. So theoretically, if you were going into D.C., it would make sense for us to drive up, mm-hmm. spend time with family while you were spending time with family, and then drive you guys back down for the visit. Yeah, like that would make the most right. functional sense. Oh, yeah, that would be that especially would like if Lillian or if my daughter's older. Like um, we can. She, it'll be better because she can enjoy the time with family, right? And then you know, kind of fly back. Yeah, back especially as she's getting a little bit older too. She'll, yeah. I think, she'll understand a little bit more what's going on. Yeah. Um, whereas, like now, she's just like. Rah! Well, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, you guys will see next weekend. You guys yeah. got to come over next weekend. Yeah. But like, all right, well, we'll see. I think I have to work next weekend. Yeah. But 
like we called my sister, like we called my sister FaceTime for the first time today. And yeah. my daughter was like, knew it was her aunt. Oh, cool. Okay. And we called my brother and knew it was her uncle Logan. And yeah. like she hid her face from him like she does when she's yeah. in real life. She knew who it was. Okay. And like she's used to calling my, my wife's family on Skype or Facebook chat or whatever. And we FaceTime with my mom every once yeah. in a while. And she, you know, she recognizes them. But like she recognized my mom's dog, and oh, she cool. was like, she'd been all day going Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Like yeah. she wanted to go see my mom, yeah. and ha- see the dog. That's cool. And yeah. so she got to see her on the video call, which kind of made her that much more mad because she couldn't interact with her. But like you know, she's at that point, and like she's not two yet, and she's like, no, she like I know these people. Like these are yeah, my. Well, that's cool because I guess she's yeah. kind of like starting to develop a personality and yeah. like a and a like a like a line of of knowledge where like, yeah past events actually do impact future events now so exactly it's like a cumulative that's interesting i like it oh it's great so anyways to finalize my thoughts on the t-bill so uh i don't think there's any problem with this and 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 really the person who convinced me a lot of of this is our top uh what superior grapes walter block who he may have taken this from rothbard but i think he came up with the saying is that you can't steal from thieves and so the the idea is every like one of the one of the things that like actually intellectual liberals or, or like like the Chomsky's of the world and stuff like mm. that will say is they're like, well, you know. And Norm Chomsky for those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, or Noam, I think is his name. Norm. Is it Norm? I thought it was Noam Chomsky. Uh, I mean, knowing us, we're probably both wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, I'll look it up. There's a, the only reason like I always remember him is because uh, – you know, like nom 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 when you're eating something. They've got a picture of him eating watermelon, and it says it's, nom nom nom. It's N O A M Chomsky. So okay. Noam Chomp. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Whatever his yeah. name is. Anyways, but like he'll he'll always like those types of like left anarchists or whatever will mm-hmm. bring up. And actually, he's he's pretty. Actually, I, I do respect him a lot because he is consistent on war. So like he's got a really good war position. But um, thank goodness. they'll be like. Uh, uh, well, if you use the roads, you know, you're using, you're using like government services. And so, like, so and so, like how a- can you be an anarchist who use government services like the roads? Cause they built a prison around me. Yeah. Well, and that's, well, what Walter Block said is he's, is he says, well, no, we're not, we're not using the roads. We're liberating the roads. And, uh, he says, because, Walter so yeah. much. He says, this is, it's an act of liberation. As he says, when you use government services, and this is why, like, he encourages, if there's, if welfare is available, use it, like, and use food stamps and use, you know, whatever services you can get. Don't feel guilty about it. They stole it and they've stolen from you before and they'll, and they steal from you. And they'll steal inflation. from you again, too. Yeah. So just use what you can get when you can and, and, you know, because you can't steal from thieves. So, uh, and it's going to be very difficult to unwind this whole thing where, yeah. like, you know, he uses this a lot whereas he, where he'll be like, I, I've got this watch or whatever, and if you say that this is uh, my watch, and then I say, well, I've got the watch on, prove it. He says, well, the burden of proof is on the person who doesn't own it. So if you can get this stuff from the government, get it, and then it's up to whoever it was stolen from to prove that that's not yours because all of it, it's, it's all been stolen from us, mixed together in this pool, and then redistributed. Yeah, and Just it's, do what you can do. Yeah, so and th- so this is this is my thought on it. So the bank we bank with, you know, we both bank at the same bank, and mm-hmm. it's a credit union, and mm-hmm. it's credit union based on the government. So mm-hmm. its stability is much more, like, tied to the fact that the government still exists. So at the point, like, other credit unions are failing, right. it's not going to be failing just because of the pure injection of capital that the yeah. government does into it by right. paying the employees of the government that sure. bank with them. Mm-hmm. 
So if you don't know what credit union I'm talking about, you don't live in Hampton Roads. <laughs> right. Everybody so, banks with them here. Yeah. So I don't necessarily worry about that, but like I worry about like being able to access the money and like having the money in a secondary sure. thing because I do have Bank of America. So I have – and right. I also have USAA. Mm-hmm. So I have two other banks where I can't get any better return than the bank that I do mm-hmm. bank – actively bank with. Right. But if I can get like 1.8% or whatever it is relatively easy – in, you know, just turn around the amount of money that I need, you know, quarter of my savings or something like that, it's every 28 days. Like, that's a credit card cycle. Like, right. I can get the money out in time to pay off sure. whatever I need to do. So it's kind of one of those – that's kind of where my thought process was. But I was also like 1.8% isn't that much. No. And I know that there are some lending services now that the loan is guaranteed half value in physical gold or silver. Okay. So, and there's like one out of Hong Kong and I, I heard about it somewhere else. And then like in this podcast I was listening to that Simon Black was on, uh, which is part of the Sovereign Man series. Um, he was talking about it. And when I last looked at it, like the return was down at like 2%. It was like, it just gotten flooded. So like, you know, active market, which is great. A bunch of people came in and then drove down the return. And I was like, darn it. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not getting out of bed for 2%. And then I'm no. like, here I'm like 1.8%. Like, oh, yeah. like something. Well, I mean, that's, that's like one of the, one of the, and actually this will tie into your other question yeah. later is because I was watching some interviews with Rand Paul just to kind of prepare a little bit for the secondary question is you've had near zero interest rates uh, from federal lo- or from uh, the high level lending, like, you know, and we get next to nothing for savings, but for so long and it's creating these just massive distortions. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we had the Twitter. crisis. In, I mean, like, well, yeah. the crisis in 2008 was because norm, normally what happens with interest rate, re, interest rates are the price of money. So yeah. for, for the people who don't understand well, that, it's the price of time. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a time preference, uh, measurement. So, Normally what would happen if you were, if you or I were building houses, we would continue to build houses as long as we could make a profit on it, but we would need to borrow capital to produce these houses. And when the, when the interest rate's low, 1% or 2% or whatever, and it's a natural interest rate, we'll continue to build. But as time goes on, and, and this is the other thing too that, that people don't understand. And this is one of the things that bothers me about the, college loans is that the individual gets a different rate and the project that they're doing gets a different rate as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is the problem with student loans is that federally guaranteed student loans at roughly the same interest rate for it's, all of them. It's based on your ed- the education that you're it's based on the level of education yeah. you're seeking, not, not the, the subject. education yeah. you're seeking. Yeah, because if you if you're majoring in underwater basket weaving, you should have like a fifty percent interest rate. Hey, because hey, it's hey, stupid. To be honest, <laughs> if it was underwater, if you're ma- if you're majoring in underwater basket weaving, yeah. you'd be the only person doing it, and <laughs> yeah. I bet it'd be very valuable. But if right. you're getting an art degree, right, it, it or, doesn't make sense. Or, or political science, or, like, yeah, poli- you know, sci- like you know, psychology. Yeah, there are so many psycho. Like, and that's the thing is not that psychology is a bad subject. Right, there are so but many people who only get yeah. an undergraduate degree yeah. in psychology, and it's right. like, okay, what did that prove? Right, exactly. So but this is sort of the same thing is going back to the 2008 is that they were – is the Federal Reserve Bank was controlling interest rates and allowing people to build these just massive amounts of houses, packaging the mortgages, selling the mortgages and all this sort of stuff. And they were continuing to keep the interest rates low. And the primary reason from the you know Paulian perspective, I guess, is that the reason they wanted the interest rates low was so that the government would have to pay interest on the debt. The debt is huge and it's – 
way bigger now than it was in 2008. And what's super amazing about that was, had they not gone and followed in Iraq, like if they only followed in Afghanistan, the debt would have been been manageable in four years. Right, right. Like it would have sucked, but they could have done it in four years. At this point, it's, it's, I mean, it's just so astronomical. And then if you include unfunded liabilities, then it just becomes insane. It's like 200 and something trillion dollars. But that's neither here nor there. That's not part of this the, this particular thing is that so you go through and they're keeping this down, this interest rate down, and it causes malinvestment, which is what the Austrians always talk about is that the boom-bust cycle is caused by malinvestment. If the market was left to move freely on its own, uh, you would – what would happen is you would be building houses. And as you build houses, gradually the interest rates would go up because the demand for housing would be going down. So it would become a more risky thing. And as it goes, as the interest rates go up, the the building speed would decrease, mm. and so you would have at some point you'd have. Now, this is the, the velocity of growth right. in the market. So, yeah. So the 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 law or whatever is that the Austrian law is that forces tend toward equilibrium. Mm. They they do not ever reach equilibrium, but they always tend toward it. So, like wages, for example, wages will tend toward equilibrium. So. How much do you want to be paid by our boss? You want to be paid infinity dollars. How much does he want to pay you? He wants to pay you negative infinity dollars. And the price that you arrive at is as close to equilibrium as you will get at at this point. And they will always be moving toward equilibrium. So in a free market, you know, subtracting interest rate manipulation, subtracting minimum wage laws and all that sort of stuff, your wages would rise and fall based on inflation, deflation, and other factors in the market. Yeah. Uh, Contract. And, like yeah. there's yeah. – And they, they would always be f- – and it would always be flowing toward equilibrium. Sometimes you'd be slightly higher than equilibrium. Sometimes you'd be slightly lower than equilibrium. They'd always. I mean, be you could be significantly lower. Like, yeah, the, you the, problem, the thing is, it's equilibrium wages, but it's equilibrium wages based on your specific value. Yes, exactly. not the value of an entire market. So right. you're you're willing to work for three nickels and a, a shoe shine every three yeah. weeks, and I'm willing to work for two bottles of wine and a grape. Right. Like they're not – it's not yeah, the same. Yeah, it's all subjective and so this – but but it always tends toward equilibrium. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the rule. But when you introduce government manipulation, it – the equilibrium – it's the – the knowledge is removed from it. So it's very difficult to tell. So there's different market signals going out saying, hey, we haven't reached equilibrium yet because the Federal Reserve is holding interest rates so low yes. that – they continue to build and, and the malinvestment builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until it gets to a point where it's like people – and I don't even think it's really that they suddenly realize it. It's that they realize the game is up. It, what happens is, in my personal opinion, is you and I realize the game is up. Yeah. Not Peter Schiff realizes the game is up. And I only use Peter Schiff because mm-hmm. he's so high in the 1%. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the guy that – you know, the manager of City or Deutsche Bank, they already knew the game was up mm-hmm. and they had already moved. Mm-hmm. It's when you and I figure out that the game is up. Yeah, and I guess our... it's when Main Street. When Main well, no, Street no, no, no. Like, it's you and I figure out the game is up, yeah. and we're telling our parents the game is up. Well, I've been, tell- I've been telling everybody since 2008 that the game but, is but up. But that's the thing. It's, <laughs> but, like, but that's the thing. It's, like, it's yeah. the people who are close to the ground yeah. but aren't, like, that are slightly left of the ga- ground right. or right of the ground. They're mm-hmm. telling people who are on the ground, like our parents, yeah. the game's up. And suddenly they're pulling back $300,000 where you and I are pulling back you had pulled back two thousand dollars because we didn't have any money four years ago yeah exactly it's like so the people suddenly listen to us because they're like wait a minute like i don't feel comfortable i don't feel safe i'm moving my money out and then like that you know no one has any money because it's all gone right and i'm so thankful that like my my dad and mom have like listened to me a little bit and like most of their retirement is in gold and silver (laughs) so and and like land 
Yeah. So. Oh, you uh, know they sold their house here in Virginia. Oh, did they? Yeah, they and they made like a hundred thousand on it. So pretty good. Oh, good. Uh, I'm really glad they got out now. Yeah. Because well, because like you know, granted, like I don't know where the bubble is going to burst, but like I, I still think it's going to be housing again. No, it's going to be China. I think it's going to be a lot of things, but I no, think it's going to end up. Being I think more. it's. I think something's going to snap in China, and something weird. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I, I don't wish ill upon anybody, but like Xi Jinping is going to like slip on a banana going down the stairs and right. die. Okay. Like not injured himself. Like oh, he's in the hospital. He's so cute. He's right. in his little dressing gown. Sure. Like everybody, like oh, look at Brother Ping. You know, yeah. like no, he's going to die. Right. Or somebody that we don't know is important. And, like Americans don't know is important in China, but it's very important in China. Yeah. Like and the Chinese know it. Right. Is going to die in an accident. Right. And people are just going to lose confidence. And then sure. the Chinese market is just not going to be able to – the brakes are going to come off of them. Yeah. And that's where it's going to happen. Or like the Saudi crown prince is going to like drive his Hummer into like under like a truck and decapitate himself. Yeah. Like Something there's going to be – something's going to snap outside of the US that's not going to make sense yeah. to the Americans. And then suddenly everything's just going to unwind yeah. and it's just going to blow back. Right. And hopefully Trump will just let it. Just be like, eh, yeah, I mean, I, I it would care. be great. And I kind of thought, you know, and you and I have talked about this on the show before. Like, I kind of thought that he would, when he during the campaign, that he would be like, "This is a big fat ugly bubble, and I'm going to let it pop." And and then it would pop, and then he would try, he'd spend the next four years recovering. I but, honestly think he did not expect the Comey, yeah. the the investigation. I think he I would have him. otherwise. Right. Like, no, I think I think he would have had the capital to do it. Yeah. But so many people are just like, oh, like, you know, like go on the Reddit. It's been 38 days since the Mueller was on the front page of all. And it's like, right. it's been 38 days since you had any intelligent thoughts. But, right. you know, yeah. well, thanks yeah. thanks for playing the game. So <laughs> second, this, second question. <laughs> this leads me to the question I asked last week that I've been trying to figure out. And because I didn't feel like doing the research, I figured I'd ask again. So – one of the big things that Ron Paul was famous for saying was audit the Fed. Yeah. And I understand roughly the fact that, like, I never really thought of it, like, that the Fed wasn't apparent on what it had on its books. Okay. Yeah. You know, it just didn't, I never thought about it. But then, the, you know, people are like, oh, it's a quasi-private institution. They can have it whatever they quasi, want. Yeah, yeah. So, like, but I'm saying the yeah. classic, you know, F you, like, when sure. the response to out of the Fed. But what, do, and but people are always saying when they say audit the Fed, like, ha ha. I've got you because when we audit you, we're going to find out that you had two terabytes of, you know, Bitcoin. And that's the only like what is auditing the Fed going to do? Yeah. So like what's what's people what are like the people like Ron Paul? What do they think that this is going to accomplish for our movement? So 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 I'm not entirely sure what the end game is for for audit the Fed, but I know what they expect to find mm-hmm. and and but what the ramifications of that of finding that I don't know what they think. Okay. So Rand Paul and Ron Paul, you know, have, have both proposed lots of out of the Fed bills, and and actually Bernie Sanders has supported them a lot. Um, and Bernie Sanders is a very anti-Fed guy uh, as well, which is is interesting. But worries me about my position. <laughs> well, it, it, it's interesting because his point of view is that the fed doesn't inflate enough it doesn't do enough yeah so like <laughs> okay. so he wants congress to be able to do this ah. Whereas, so but ron paul's position is that the issue is from his perspective or from what i gather is his perspective uh is that the constitution says that congress should be able to issue coin in gold and silver and the fed does not do that and congress has passed all of the 
uh, the monetary power basically over to the Fed, which is a quasi-private institution. And one of the issues that both Ron Paul and Rand Paul talk about a lot in their things is they go, well, uh, they do issue like a monthly statement. They issue a, year, a quarterly statement and a yearly statement saying what, you know, the things that they're doing or whatever is that, but the Fed has multiple times come before Congress and Congress has asked them different questions and they just say, we're not telling you. And, and this is, they say, well, not for the security of monetary policy, we're just not going to say. And, uh, and I do sort of understand that. But, well, as uh, a private institution, I respect their right to say that. Sure. As the Fed, I don't. Right, and they they are they're quasi quasi private. So they they do have audits, but the audits are of only the documents that they release. And Ron Paul and Rand Paul's issue, it seems like, is that the issue is that they uh, they don't deal with everybody equally. Some co- why do they give a bailout to this corporation, not to this corporation? And why do they buy stock from this corporation, not from this corporation? And uh, so. And also, what are their dealings with international banks? Mm-hmm. Uh, and why would they pick to do some sort of deal with Greece, but not some sort of deal oh, this with finally, like Israel? This or, finally reminds me of what I think, maybe on the Liberty Report, maybe on Tom Woods. Yeah, one of the things I, I heard at some point, and I think I why I understood audit the Fed, and I was much more for it. Yeah, it's not that I'm against it now. Like I, right. I honestly think you should because it's sure. you know. Uh, yeah, we'll get to like our thoughts on yeah. on the on should you or should you not. Well, I mean, minute. here's the thing: we both agree they should. Yeah. So, but that people were going to see the interlinkings of what the Fed was yeah. doing that they were not publicly saying, right. like when they suddenly were giving City three hundred thousand dollars and three hundred million or whatever it was, three yeah. billion, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. But not giving it to Bank of America. And like, this is one of the things that like, people crap on Bank of America all the time, but the federal government forced Bank of America to buy JP Morgan mm-hmm. or whatever, whichever one it was, and then turned around and fined them like $36 billion yeah. or $16 billion for crimes that were committed before Bank of America took over and yeah. then forced their CEO out. And he was the only one who was like, I don't want a bailout. I don't. Right. Need, I don't need a bailout. We've got yeah. plenty of money. Sure. Well, Wells Fargo is also one of those where they made the merge with uh, Wachovia or whatever, and then it's fined them for a bunch of Wachovia stuff. Well, and that's the thing is Wells Fargo, but also Wells Fargo also wanted to. They wanted the merger. From that's my not understanding. true. No, oh, okay. no. Well, the Wells Fargo. Uh, so when when the Fed was going through this, these bailouts issues, and the thing is that they. The, they told Wells Fargo, if you do not do this merger, and they said, we'll give you a pick. You can pick any of these banks that you have to buy. You have to buy one of them. Uh, and if you don't, we're going to remove FDIC insurance. And then you won't be allowed to operate in the United States. And so Wells Fargo said, fine, we'll buy Wachovia. We, we've wanted to be on the East Coast anyways. So – uh, and then, and then they did the same thing where, and, but Wells Fargo and, and Bank of America did this too. I think Bank of America did this is where they set aside money basically to pay all these fines. Yeah. Where they were like, okay, fine. We'll set aside them because we know that there's going to happen. I think they set aside most of the bailout money. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, we don't need it anyway. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Smart. Well, and, and Ford did this actually also when they were doing the auto bailout is they forced Ford to take it because Ford was like, well, we don't need it. Like, we're, you know, we're on hard times, but like, we're solving. We're like Nintendo. We have more cash yeah. than we need to operate for right. the next yeah, 10 exactly. years. We're solvent. Like, we're, we're okay. But they said, but if, if Chrysler and GM take it, you have to take it. And so they said, fine, we'll take it. And they end up setting it aside. And then as soon as the government was like, okay, time to pay us back, they were like, here's your money back. Like, yeah. we've, we've just been earning money from the Fed on it. Yeah. Which is, and that's the other kind of back to the Fed. One of Ron Paul and Rand Paul's other issues is that the Fed pays banks to keep money in the Fed, and they pay those banks with our money. Yeah. And so, like, that's the other issue is they want to know, what are the interest rates you're giving the banks? It's not uniform. Um, 
they say it's uniform, but they don't believe it is. Uh, and they, they do seem to give favor to different institutions over others. Uh, the idea is that they're supposed to remain non-political, but it's very clear that they are political because they are in favor of an expanding government. They always give, they always buy treasuries. They always will allow the government to spend more. Um, and they do tend to help out the current administration. Uh, you know, Janet Yellen resigned basically as a result of Trump coming into office because she was helping Obama. Yeah. And same thing with Ben Bernanke. He helped Bush and then he helped Obama because as much as people hate to believe this, Obama and George W. Bush, basically the same policy. Like yeah, they, they there's just, a very a continuation. strong continuation policy. Yeah. And that that's kind of the, oh, like the New Deal thing, yeah. where people are like, oh, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt came up with the New Deal. Yeah, it's like, no, most Hoover. Yeah. It was pretty much all Hoover yeah. who kind of hated the ideas, right. but didn't have the testicular fortitude to stand up to Congress and be like, no, yeah. we got through 21 fine without this right. crap. And I was in the administration in 21 and didn't do anything. Right. And I was the guy kind of in position, to, if I remember correctly, he was in position to do stuff in 21 yeah. and didn't. Right. And I was just like, no, it's, it's not yeah. our place. Yeah. They, well, they all wanted and, – and at that point, like in 21, the Fed had only been around for six years, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, or maybe seven. But they just didn't have the ability well, – they, they had the ability, but they didn't have the, I guess, gumption to do anything at that point. So, well, and, and it's that, also – And the 21 recession was over and it was a way steeper recession yeah. than the Great Depression. And this is, this is what's so frustrating is like – because J.P. Morgan was basically like, you have to create the Fed because I'm tired of you coming to me or whichever yeah. – Whichever one it was, like the well, it was, it was, yeah. it was cool because J.P. Morgan and uh, J.P. Morgan and I, and there's a couple of others. Uh, this is the you know Jacob conspiracy of why we entered World War One was because J.P. Morgan and I think it was uh, was it Rockefeller that was the oil guy. Yeah. So I think those two got together because J.P. Morgan was like, I, I'd like us to kind of start easing off of the gold standard, but we can't really do it with the czar because the czar has just ridiculous amounts of gold on hand. And Rockefeller was like, yeah, and the only person who, after I've, I've lobbied the government to monopolize the oil industry in the United States, the only opposition right now is Russian oil because they were the only one that had like a modernized oil infrastructure and was selling oil for cheaper. And so the deal was we will get the United States to enter World War One, get rid of the czar, put in these kind of – this was prior to the Bolshevik Revolution. This was in the – what do they call it? The October Revolution or whatever? The Whatever the one prior to that yeah, one yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when they had the Duma come in, and, and the Duma was in control for a long time. A and long it, time, as in six months? Well, yeah, like six or six months or eight months or whatever. Their, their idea was that we'll make enough chaos in Russia that they'll kind of be out of the picture. We'll be able to do what we want to do. And, I mean, World War One was a humongous siphon of gold into the United States from Europe. Mm-hmm. So that was the deal, is that they get out, they pay their war debts, we'll help out the new the new administration in Europe, and and... Up until like the 1960s, really, like if you went into Ru- into Soviet Russia, and they had this a lot where like American communists would go there and be like, "Wow, it's amazing! We don't have anything like this in in America." And then they'd go look at the manufacturing; it was made in America. Yeah, everything in the Soviet Union was made in America, and because they just didn't have the industrial capacity to do it, and and we were loaning them money up until the 1950s, the United States, and then and then J.P. Morgan. Well, it wasn't J.P. Morgan at that point; it was successor died his his successor and. Uh, and Chase, whoever Chase ended up being, uh, they created the World Bank to continue funding the Soviet Union so that their other operations in the United States could continue to be funded so they could fund both sides and build up these arms. This is a whole crazy conspiracy thing, but this kind of goes into the, into what's going on with the Fed is that the Fed plays all sides of all issues and it's to, to funnel money into their buddies. 
Yeah. And honestly, like if I was in charge of the Fed, I totally understand it. I'd probably do something like that. Well, I, I well, think I, I would I would imagine that because like, I'm religious, like I wouldn't do it be, for religious reasons. So I'd be like, you know what? I need my eternal soul to be okay. But, but that's like, the thing is like you'd be funding, funneling money into the Mises Institute and being right. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're shutting down tomorrow. <laughs> like here's a million dollars, like the least amount of money you could. Like, but that would but be so, meaningful. Yeah. yeah. But kind of continuing to like go on the research and stuff, like, honestly, I don't know what Ron Paul and Rand Paul's endgame is. They want to audit the Fed. Uh, honestly, I think that would be a valuable thing just because I would like to know what they're doing. Uh, you know, I don't want them funneling money into like these terrorist organizations. They probably are. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing is like, I rarely think the Fed is doing these things. I think it's the arms of the, yeah, like, and that, like, the white hats, like, sure. you know, like, they're the only people who reported the damage in Syria, like, the gas attacks, supposedly. Right. And there's a lot but, of inconsistencies yeah. on that. Yeah, but, like, but, it, but that's the thing, is, like, yeah. you look at who they're funded by, and they're funded by the Saudi government. Sure. And, like, this is one of the things that, like, always interests me. Armco, which is the Saudi oil company, mm-hmm. very, very wealthy. Right. Trillion dollar company. Mm-hmm. Dwarfed by everything in the United States. Like, just the pure amount of money in the United States. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton was bought for $16 million. Mm-hmm. Like, that was what the Uranium One deal was. A million dollars. Again, people, a million dollars. It wasn't a billion dollars. It wasn't a hundred billion dollars. It wasn't a trillion dollars. Sixteen million dollars. Yeah. Almost was president of the United States. Right. And you're complaining about the guy who's three billion dollars. And, you know, before Trump, do you know who the richest president ever was before Trump? No. I I take a guess. Who who I think was the richest president before... uh... Well, Reagan was an actor, but he wasn't a popular actor. Uh, Inflate, no yeah, yeah. I have no George idea Washington, who, the oh, first one. Okay, all right. Half a billion dollars. Okay, he owned most of the country. Yeah. There's like a, he there. owned a he owned so much of Virginia yeah. through his wife. Do you know? Uh, <laughs> and Virginia was yeah. the most valuable right. thing you could own in the do United you know, States. Um, do you know the comedy troupe, The Whitest Kids You Know? I've heard of them. They're hysterical, but uh, they're the lead guy. He's actually from Charlotte. Um, he does a like a George Washington rap where like George Washington like talks like he's like it's it's all about him growing hemp yeah and, and being like like whether it's a brick or an ounce like I grow it all and like it, and does it and then he's like take it Thomas Jefferson Jefferson's like it, it's kind of like uh you know Coolio's uh gangster paradise, gangster paradise. Yeah. so it's kind of along those lines where he's like take it Thomas Jefferson he's like uh. He's like, it's not exactly that tune, but it's sort of the same thing where Thomas Jefferson's like, basically like, get money, smoke weed, fuck the government, f the laws, we're gonna write our own, <laughs> and like, and like, I just, I love, I love that that whole style. Like yeah. one of these days, I'll play. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll put it on this episode at the yeah, end. Yeah, but, but uh, like, so that's the thing is like, you're worried about the richest man who's ever been president. Who's rich, but he's really, honestly, like, when you compare him to, like, some of these other people who are political actors. Yeah. Or, or, this is the thing that really bothers me about that whole complaint about Trump is that, or, or even the Koch brothers, where they're like, well, the Koch brothers, they have all this money. And it's like, yeah, the Fed controls, like, $16 trillion in 2008. That year alone, they controlled that much yeah, money. Yeah. So, like, but, so think about this. And you're worried about a guy who has $4 billion. Mark Zuckerberg is worth multiples of what the president is worth yeah and he's yeah, a lizard yeah. it, well <laughs> i don't make fun of somebody for the way he looks he's because he, well he, it's he, not the way he looks it's just it's like his like his movements well this thing is like strange. i think he has a form like i've always thought he has a form of autism that could be I, I always thought like he's just that weird like he, he's but that's the thing is like he's multiple times richer than the president of the united states Mm-hmm. actively interfered in the United States elections. Mm-hmm. The Russian yep. government 
whose overall budget is l- almost less than our military's budget alone. Right, right. Overall budget, almost less than our government's budget, and they have a third of our population. Yeah, and they're worried about them. And they spent $100,000 on Facebook ads. Yeah. So, like, there's a podcast I like, or I used to like, until I started really listening to what they were saying, and they're, like, it's a, a Russian roulette from the Center for Strategic... And international studies. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, the Russians thought they could just poison somebody on the street talking about the poisoning of the Russian spy. Right. Are the, is the Russian government so inept that they didn't kill him? Right. Like the last guy that we're pretty sure they poisoned, they poisoned him with polonium. And he right. was so freaking radioactive. And polonium poisoning is like the crappiest radioactive poisoning you can do right. other than like thorium. Because, yeah. you know, thorium is our favorite. Right. But – like, if you poison somebody with polonium, you really gotta poison them. Like, yeah. you're salt, you're walking around with a, like, as I've described it for the last 10 years, you're walking around with a salt shaker, shaking yeah. radioactive material at the guy to get the level of polonium this guy supposedly right. had. They used some agent that probably like, was irradiated as well. Well, no, 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 so. it wasn't even irradiated. Yeah. The guy survived. It's supposed to be super deadly, but like, the guy survived and he's old and unhealthy. He's a diabetic. Mm-hmm. He's a walking crap factory. You couldn't kill him? Mm-hmm. The North Koreans, if they killed Un's brother, yeah. walked up to the guy in an airport like, and hit him, him with VX. Yeah. The number one, like, right. bomb you nerve agent. VX. Yeah. They shot him in the face with VX in a third country. It wasn't right. like he was in North Korea and they did it. Right. It wasn't like he was in Russia and they did it. He was in Thailand. Yeah. Or no, he was in Kuala... No, I think it was Thailand. No, I think it was Malaysia. Oh, oh, okay. Like, he was in a, like, they got it into Malaysia. Right. And hit him in the face with VX. The Russians yeah. couldn't kill some guy in Britain? Right. Like, you shoot him, like, polonium pellet. Like, how the crap? And why would you choose that when you could just, like, stab him? Or shoot him? Or burn his house down? Yeah. And I get, carbon I get, I get it, I get it that in London, like, knives are illegal. It now, wasn't in but London. Like, but, right, but, It like, wasn't in London. Right. It wasn't even close to London. But, like, you, but you could just, what was it that we recently speaking, you know, speaking of London, like, and they've outlawed or they've made it like illegal to carry knives and all well, that. Well, it's been illegal to carry but knives like, in London. But like <laughs> recently, recently there was a pub killing with like a butter knife, and like it's like people are going to do it. So like you couldn't. Why would you follow somebody around with radioactive material and like douse them with radioactive material when you could, if you really wanted them to die? Unless like you just wanted them to die horribly. Well, no, if you wanted them to die, if you wanted them to die. You fly him to D.C. and you shoot him in the back of the head right. and put the D.C. police on it because they're going to think he got robbed. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so <laughs> make, and to, make it look like he shot to, himself in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. To the to the family family of Seth Rich. Yeah. I hope one day that the people who did this to your family get caught. Right. And I hope they f- they fall down a flight of stairs, like in a way such that they're not a burden to society, but they are in the most amount of pain possible. Right. Like the. What they tried to do to Seth Rich yeah. for purely pointing out the fact that the people he working was working for were garbage human beings yeah. is insane. Yeah. Like, and then oh, yeah. like our favorite uh, guy who supposedly ran the Silk Road, who's been in jail. Oh, I can't yeah. remember his name. Um, no, uh, so not Seth. Um, actually, I think his first name is Seth. I don't know. Why I want to say Seth Meyer, but that's not <laughs> uh, definitely not yeah. Seth Meyer. But it's um, yeah. But like that's the thing is like you're telling me it's not it, Seth Rich, is it? Uh, no, Seth Rich is somebody else. Okay. But like that's the that's nah, the sort of thing where it's so insane to me yeah. that like we're risking nuclear war right. 
With, well, and that's the thing is like I don't think we're really risking nuclear war with the Russians. No. Well, I, I, yeah, I think it really people blow this up a lot out of proportion, but well, it's it's kind of at the same time it's like so 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 let's let's at, at its at its worst let's say that Assad for some reason even though he's winning decided to gas sixty people. And then how many? Sixty how, children. Sixty children, supposedly. Okay, so let's say that he did that for. Un- exp- never mind the fact that he's winning and doesn't make any sense. But let's say that he did. He's a, let's say he's a crazy person. I'm sure you know. I'm oh, sure he's not a good, crazy. Yeah, I'm sure he's a bad person. But let's say that the, the thing is the reason I don't believe it, and I, I don't know if this is the same as you or not, is is that it doesn't make sense to me that you do this when. So you know, you and I both have a, a friend who's from Iraq. Mm-hmm. And in the Middle East, there is no such thing as a retired president, or there are presidents or dictators or whatever the heck their title is, and there are dead, whatever the heck their title is. <laughs> yes. And that's it. So asylum, Or there are people in asylum. Or, yeah, or they're ex- exiled or whatever the deal is. No, asylum. They, they flee while oh, yeah. they're in charge. That's what I mean, like yeah. asylum. So, like, they go to France or for whatever reason. Because there's, the there's a bunch of the dictators that go to France for yeah. some reason. But, uh, well, France anyways. won't kill you for anything. Yeah. But whatever the deal is, is you, you have, or, or like, you know, just look at, like, let's say, look at, um, Gaddafi. Sodomized to death in the streets. Like, with a knife. With a knife. So, this is like a really terrible way to die. So, of course, Saad's not going to give up power. Now, he's winning. He's got the support of the uh, the Russians he, and the Iranians and the Iranians. Well, to a lesser extent, they are helping, but like you know, the Iranians are are in a bad shape, and and that's one of the things they where are, like I don't know they why are. they always are like saying like how how dangerous the Iranians are. They have a really they're in a bad position. Uh, they're in a bad position because their people aren't turning on them. Right. So this is why the the this is why Iran is the boogeyman. Yeah. They don't view the Ayatollah as the problem. Right. They view the United States as the problem. Yeah. Still. Which they right. should. They should, yeah. I mean, totally, is, yeah. totally legit problem. But yeah. the problem is they don't view the United States. So th- this is, I think this is where you're going is what advantage is it to take the one thing that's guaranteed to redline the countries that have been right. saying, we want you dead. Well, we want is, you dead yeah. in the streets. This is not what I'm going with. Okay. This is, this is the thing is even if he decided against all of those things and decided to gas these people. How many people did those rockets kill that were civilians? I don't even know that any hit anybody. I, I, I don't know either. But the thing is, is that I, what I do know is that the United States eight months ago used white phosphorus in, in, uh, Syria and killed something like 84 civilians. Well, you remember that time we showed up to the hospital that we knew was a hospital right. and then we gunned 80 yep. people to death? Mm-hmm. And, and, re- and remember that time when we, when the United States, not we, the United States government decided to force these people who were duped into serving the United States to irradiate Fallujah, where there are kids who were not even born at the time, who are now born with horrific, incredibly painful birth defects, who will live only for a couple of years, and that entire expanse of their existence is pain. Do you remember the time the United States government took X percentage of our GDP yeah. and develop three weapons and then drop them on a city yep. called Nagasaki yeah. and Hiroshima. Right. Yeah. We're the only country that used nuclear weapons. Or remember That's that a time, government. Remember that time when the, they, the United they, States blockaded Yemen and has caused almost 2 million people to die from shitting themselves to death? You remember that time the United States allowed black men to be infected with syphilis right. and yeah. then didn't give them penicillin yeah. for 34 years. Right. So the point of this whole oh, wait, rant, wait, wait. rant so is that the United States <laughs> government is absolutely, and this is, here's the thing, the Tuskegee experiment with the syphilis yeah. thing, it wasn't 17, it wasn't no. 1823. No, this it was, was like in the 1970s. Yeah, it was like and, 60s and 70s. Yeah, and these were people who 
thought something was wrong with them. Yeah. Went to the only doctors they were supposed to go to, the government. Right. Because of the, and great, they, cause like, of the great society. Yeah. And instead of going to their neighborhood black doctor, right. who was just as intelligent and would have been like, you've got syphilis. Here's right. a shot. Like, and syphilis mm-hmm. bores holes in your brain. Right. Like, this is American citizens. Right. And we're worried about, and here's the thing. And you're worried about, well, first of all, you're people. worried about possibly 60 people, we, which has let's not just, been Let's just, let's call it really 60 yeah. people. 60 people. Okay. How many is the U.S. government killed today by leaving them in jail? Yeah. Like, this is just incomprehensible to me. And then, like, so... I just don't understand it. why, like, this is... And, and I guess it's because of the the media complex or whatever this is, is that the mainstream media does tend to support the, the government, is that I don't understand why anybody would trust them to make a moral judgment. They are so morally repugnant yeah. that you cannot trust them to make these decisions. And... It, I mean, they're they're absolutely disgusting. Like, they're, these are disgusting people who are in charge. And, you know, Trump is from outside of it. But at this point, he's a murderer. Yeah. Uh, and and straight a murderer up. hundreds of times over, thousands of times over. Uh, and whether he has the power to do it or not, I don't know. But when you allow yourself to get into that position, you're responsible. All in the name, at this point, yeah. as far as we can tell, of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And Israel. Right. Like, not to be those guys, but, like, yeah. straight up, like, that's what... Seems to be leading this. Now, got another question for you. Right. Where can people follow us? They can follow us at tastinganarchy.com. And, and uh, uh, Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. And Twitter, when yeah, you, at You go on, on rampages against people, so. Yeah, but mostly lately, well, the only thing I've been doing is, like, whenever, like, Diane Feinstein or John McCain, like, post pictures of their family, I always say stuff like, wouldn't it be a shame if somebody in another country voted to, like, drone bomb them? Yeah. And then just leave it at that. I can't believe John McCain's still alive. I, I don't know. How is that guy? Yeah. Like, there was all an those April, poor there was brown really, babies. Yeah, there was like a really great April Fool's joke where somebody posted that he had passed away. That is not like, a great April Fool's I joke. I was like, oh my gosh, thank God. Like, finally, like, that The world okay. can have yeah. some peace. Yeah, but then it turned out it was not true. But yeah. it, you know what? It, it, and and I, I'm convinced of this, is that there is this whole, like, Bohemian Grove, like, weird black magic stuff going on. And I think that the way that John McCain is sustaining his life and his... 106 year old mother's life is that they have to like have like sacrificial rituals of like brown children you know it's called it's called the federal reserve and they're like well let's just like sacrifice well you know we just need a couple hundred and then we'll get an extra year of life because like Got an extra 35 seconds <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah right exactly so oh wait, wait, wait you hit a hospital oh man two minutes Ooh, two minutes yeah yeah exactly i mean like it, it's you know and the thing is i feel bad because like I listened to his daughter, and his daughter sounds really nice. She's a political commentator, and she's actually pretty attractive. But uh, which is, you know, kind of yeah. besides the point. But uh, although she's put on a huge amount of weight these last couple of years, but uh, very voluptuous. But anyways, um, the like he's like he the, just the amount of pe- and you know it's it's the Tom Woods law, which is no matter who you vote for, you always get John McCain, and it's and it's absolutely true. Is that a lot of people, and you know, we've got like Ann Coulter now, and um, well, even like my, not Michael Malice, um, Milo Yiannopoulos and like these types of people who were really big Trump supporters. And I think they still kind of are, but they're kind of going like, no, we voted for you to put America first and not go 
and well, involve us in Syria, like, not involve us. That's in the thing is, like, I think Milo was more like Ann Coulter. Screw her. I think Milo. I haven't listened to Milo recently, yeah. but like Milo had so, several times was like, you guys realize, like, I'm not really that big of a Trump supporter. Well, he's, yeah, I'm he's a just yeah. not. It's just so never Hillary. Yeah. That like this is this is the boat. So, well, you know, I think Ann Coulter has really come. You know, there's a there was a lot of these kind of people. Who Ann, I would, who Ann I Coulter would've... did it all for books. Well, I'm sure she did. But yeah. like, but like a lot of these, I guess I would say conservative voices or whatever. You know, that I would have considered a long time ago neocons. Like, uh, um, what's his name? The dude with the bow tie. Um, a lot of guys. With yeah, I can't remember his name, but he, but he he has a show on Fox now. He kind of replaced O'Reilly. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name, but anyways, like I would have considered him many years ago a neocon, and mm-hmm. and he's kind of come around a lot, particularly on the war issue. And and he had a big thing recently on Fox News about like the is it Jeffrey Tucker? Jeffrey, uh, not Tucker. No, Jeffrey Tucker is the anarchist. Uh, yeah, but no, it is Tuck, Tucker Carlson. Tucker, yeah, yeah, yeah. the other Tucker. Oh man, like that because. So Jason Stapleton was talking about Tucker Carlson and yeah. saying like he was liking a lot of stuff he was doing recently. And then he, and then had, he had Jeffrey, Jeffrey Tucker, Tucker on. on. Yeah. And I could not remember Carlson. Yeah. And like I kept thinking like, wait, wait, you knew this guy? Like, why didn't yeah. you call him? Like, well, t- well, Tucker Carlson. Jeffrey Tucker. Back, great, by the way. Jeffrey Tucker is, is, I, I've really liked him and he, and they, he's part of a competing institution with the Mises Institute. And he used to be with the Mises Institute. And he's kind of gone left, left libertarian a little bit. Um, but he, he's written a lot of books that I really like. And, uh, he's also a hardcore Catholic. And so like a lot, so he has this really good, um, you, are you surprised by that? Yes. Really? Okay. Cause it was his lisp. He does sound gay. Yes. Yeah, but he's not gay. Well, or he may be, I don't know, but, um, He's married and he has kids and stuff, but, huh. uh, but he's a smoker and that's always what bothers me. <laughs> but it's because I'm a Californian. <laughs> but, uh. So no wonder you don't like Dave Smith's. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh man, I was so upset when I heard that Dave Smith smoked. I wanted, I was like, I was like, I gotta get on Twitter and tell him he, should, he needs to stop smoking. But like, I think it's, it's all a Californian thing, but like, well, it's mostly because I care about these people. I, I don't want them to be unhealthy. Um, but but you only think it's unhealthy because the government told you so. Yeah, I'm pretty dun, sure. Dun, dun. I'm, yeah, that's true. no, no, no. I'm like, pretty sure it's unhealthy. There, there's but, a lot of evidence yeah. that if you are susceptible to cancer, yeah. smoking is not a good right. thing to do. Yeah. Now, granted, like it, it's the same sort of thing as like plutonium or whatever, yeah. or, or radiation in general, where they're like, well, is it ten rands or is it like, or not rands, uh, whatever it is, whatever it is, is it ten or is it a hundred? What's going to kill you? And like some people like liquidate at this amount but other people are like well, it's fine <laughs> yeah they're like uh yeah like i ate cigarettes too yeah yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah you smoke two packs a day it's like yeah i also ate yeah. cigarettes Man, I was, I was and so, the filter like you have no idea how bummed i was when i heard dave smith like on that that uh liberty on the rocks yeah. podcast which by the way the virginia beach libertarians had liberty on the rocks before them yes and uh anyways but that's the here or there tidewater uh, young libertarians yeah the tidewater young libertarians but like when I heard he was a smoker, I was like, no, no. <laughs> like, I, I was so upset by that. But, uh, uh, anyways, um, He's gotta get but that voice, Tucker Carlson man. was, was a huge Iraq war supporter and Afghanistan back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he has done a 180 on that. And he's like, I, and he's apologized multiple times. He's like, I was wrong on that. Like we had, we should not have done that. And, uh, I was misled. Like, and he was, you know, he was at, at CNN at the time and he was like, I, 
you know, we had all of the government experts coming in telling us stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, they've got all of these chemical weapons. They've got all of this stuff going on. And uh, and he believed it. And he says, like, and, but now he's like, I don't believe a word they say. Like, yeah. He's like, they're all liars. Like, they, they will do what, they will say what they're told to say. And they will make up evidence to support it. Well, I mean, there's... Like Rumsfeld created a intelligence branch of the federal of mm-hmm. the army to get evidence to countermand the CIA yeah. to go into Iraq, right? And that comes from Frontline, right? And, and which I, is like you super left, and, yeah, exactly. And and also like, and it's not even like you need to trust the CIA. Say CIA, they make up stuff all the time too. This is the same organization who was like. We Over need some more Guatemala. money. Would they do that? But then they were like, we need some more money, so let's bring crack cocaine into like black communities in California and and elsewhere. And that's how we'll make money. Ingenious that they knew it would yeah. work. Right. Terrible they did it. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it's – Hello, brother, homie G. Would you like to buy some crack? Like, I would, mean, you, would you like to have your life ruined by us – Again, yeah. after disproportionately por- forcing you into these ghettos, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they did that, and like, I mean, this is—they're a terrible organization, and and they're they, telling and even you, they are telling you that like, eh, no, there's no problem. We don't, we don't they, have this information. Yeah. They're like, look, look, we want it to be true, right? Can you make it true, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Wait, right. wait, wait. Why couldn't we find that? Yeah, like that—that's that's one of those things where it's like it's incomprehensible to me that there are anybody who are like. We need to fight Syria. Yeah. Like 10 years ago, if you were like, where's Syria on the map? I'd be like, is it near Israel? Yeah. Like I would, I would, I wouldn't even like, I don't think 10 years ago I would have known Syria had a border with Israel. I know, I know, I know every, almost every single country in the, in the world. And the only reason I know that is because I was in AP human geography and I never missed a single question. (laughs) <laughs> and, and it was just because I really like looking at the maps. But so, what about I, I, that super restrictive African country? I knew I knew all of the countries up until like 2006 when I graduated high school. <laughs> so there has been some changes. But the the oh, you so, mean the Dumbass? <laughs> yeah. So I I knew about I knew I know I knew about where Syria was, and also I knew I know about it because of its you know historically historical, yeah, yeah the, historically it, it is very important and this is one of the biggest shames to me about uh well being a christian and syria is historically was a christian nation prior to islam and there are so many christian sites there that have been destroyed by this war yeah and it's it's a sh- it's you know a shame by our federal government yeah. funding and speaking of which psychos the majority of the christians in syria support assad because he's secular yeah, and the majority of As- Syrians yeah. support Assad because they're like we don't want to die right. with these crazy people. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's like yes, Assad that, yeah. wasn't great, but like they knew that like don't do this. Right. Yeah. Oh wait, you want to go punch a bunch of babies? He's gonna right. kill you. Yeah. Like don't yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean he's a nut. And but you know they were. It was a relatively modern country. It was you know it was under dictatorship, but yeah. it was like relatively of modern. the dictatorships you could live in. Yeah, it was not a bad one. It wasn't uh, a bad place and it to was live in the Middle East. They were producing a lot of media content. Um, yeah. You know, it was it was relatively secular. Like they didn't make women wear burqas and all that sort of stuff. You know, this is the thing is that like as as left as the United States is becoming, like the left supports Saudi Arabia, which is horrific to women and, and homosexuals and like. And oh, look, but, there's, there's trans, but don't, there's, but don't, you, you know, don't you know the crown prince is going to stop all that? Yeah, right. 
I mean, but you know, this is the thing is you're After trying to, let's, let's, let's go ahead and let's, let's, let's bomb, let's, you know, continue Cousins. starving people in Yemen to death. Let's continue starving people in Syria to death. You know, there's transgendered people there too. Oh, oh you know, like, uh, Man. let's, let's destroy Benjamin, uh, Olson or whatever, the comedian, because he doesn't oh, think, Owen Benjamin, yeah, Owen yeah. Benjamin yeah. because he doesn't think five year olds should be allowed to transition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's a higher priority than like not having the United States continue to blockade Yemen where, yeah. Which cost me billions yeah. of dollars right. a month. There's something like 2.5 million people right now with cholera. Yeah. Which is like... Have you seen the time in cholera? Yeah. You know, in the time of cholera? Right. Like, this is like, this is a disease that, like, my fifth great grandfather would have been worried about. Yeah. And then he would have been like, oh, well, he's I got see the fever. No, he's got the fever. Right. The he's fever, got the right. fever. Yeah. 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 Oh, he got a take fever. it back. He's got the fever. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, this is. I mean, that's, like, a, that's an, or, that's a disease you die of on the Oregon Trail video game. Yeah. Got right. cholera. Yeah. But this is the thing is, and I don't think people understand what cholera is because we're so far removed from it. This is a disease where you die. Anybody who's listened to our show knows what right. cholera is. Yeah. Well, I mean, if this is your first We episode, talk about it all the time. Yeah. If you, you die from being on the toilet too long. It's like it's, dysentery. Yeah. You are shitting and puking yourself to death and you die of dehydration. And that's the you thing You know is, what the cure is? Fluids. And that's the thing is, if you're not a baby yeah. and you're not elderly with cholera, supposedly, if I understand correctly, yeah. unlike some of them, you can continue to consume fluids to the point sure. you won't die. Yeah. No, yeah, you'll be okay. And you don't even need the antibiotics. It'll yeah. go away. You just have to be hydrated. And, you know, somebody- it doesn't feel good. Somebody to burn your, your waste right. so they don't yeah. get cholera yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like this is, and you know what? And Yemen has been one of the poorest nations in the Middle East for ever. Poorest nations on the planet. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, this is where you want to do it. Like this is, a, you really want to, like these people have it really bad already and yeah. you're blockading them. And then this is after you asked the, the WGO to come in and like, be like, stop growing sorghum. Only grow coffee, which sort of makes sense. Yeah, but if like, you weren't going to turn yeah, around if you and like, then blockade them. Yeah, like if you're allowed them to like actually develop coffee grounds, and they actually have some really cool historical yeah. sites there too. They have one of the great, one of the oldest reservoirs in the planet in nice. Yemen, um, and it's also one of the least ex- excavated uh, countries in the world because of it's just been a shithole forever, and. Yeah. Uh, but strategically, it's actually kind of a cool place because it's right there next to the Red Sea. But um, oh, well, so you know why they're starving them to death? Then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's because the Saudis need room to. They need. Uh, there's like there's oh, like, what's the what's the what was the German term? Lebensraum. Uh, yeah, the growing space. Uh, yeah, Leib- yeah, Lebensraum. Yeah. Ah oh, man, I th- I forgot. That. I thought they like the Sudetenland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Well, that just, was a, like the Germans. That's one of the, why they had kind of eyes for Russia was they were like, well, we just need room to spread out. Let's just get rid of these Slavs. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, the Slavs the Slavs already think we're unintelligible. So, uh, yeah. screw them. Yeah, let's just get, let's just get it. All right. Yeah, anyway, so, so we, we were supposed yeah. to end like 10 minutes ago. So, yeah. So, uh, tastinganarchy.com, t- reviews yeah. of wines that we try, different things. I think I'm going to have a review of the, this beer that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely different stuff. So, yeah. petite, petite, or petite, petite, petite. or petite, petite. I, I think it's on. supposed to be pronounced petite, 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 petite. But it's yeah. supposed to, there's supposed to be like some sort of inflection there. Yeah, so it's French Which we're terrible with. Yeah, we're not good with that. But not a bad wine. Like, I feel good now. I mean, yeah. you know, like, 
I always think that we sort of I wouldn't say ripping off because we have a completely different format, but like libertarians in rooms drinking liquor. I always feel like our show starts out kind of interesting, but then like ends like the way libertarians in living rooms <laughs> drinking liquor. So any show where somebody drinks yeah, alcohol, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it it always ends pretty well. But it's a, it was a good wine. Um, the it is an interesting blend. I think that I wouldn't mind doing another blend like this. I would like to try a Syrah. Just a straight Syrah. Yeah, just to see what the difference between the Petite Syrah and a regular Syrah is. But because a Petite Syrah is a blending wine and so is is the Petite Verdot, um, I'd be interested to know other wines that are blended with these and how it brings out the flavors in the other varietals. Um, This one is – I would say, you know, this is a good wine. It's $18, $18.99 normally. Um, It was on sale, so I got it for like – instead of $18.99, I got it for like $18.40. (laughs) <laughs> so like I saved 60 cents, but, um, not a bad wine, uh, does have a, it is a very hot wine, does feel kind of like a burn, mm. like a burn. Yeah. Um, very peppery, very peppery, a lot of burn, really the fruit flavors. I didn't really detect any, but you know what? Maybe if you try this with a fatty food, it would, it would be a, a much or, better pairing. Or maybe this is the thing is like, again, you know, when we go into varieties we haven't had before, mm-hmm. We're always trying to find the main thing in it instead of yeah. just seeing things as they develop or right. seeing how people, other people play with them mm-hmm. or just the growing space. Yeah. So, like, this is one of those ones where for 18 you know, $20, if you haven't had a Syrah and you want to try something different or if you're, you like reds but you're not really sure what you want to try and you're fine with blends because, yeah. like, I, I, you know, a lot of whites are pures. So, like, yeah. I'm usually more into the pure wine. Sure. Um, but red's a lot more blended because there's just I think there's more variety to it. Um, definitely worth a shot. Yeah. Like it's I I would not say you would have wasted your money. No, like, no, this was good. Like it was fine, and and also you know really what makes a wine the best is who you're sharing the bottle with. And yeah. so you know Mason and I have been friends for ten years almost. Well, longer than ten years now. I think ten. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know we like hanging out. We like talking about it, and we have a good time complaining exactly. about the government, <laughs> complaining about everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, but also just like we're getting, we're just getting so much more into wine than we were before, and exactly, uh, and it just makes it that much more exciting to do it. I think next week, I know it's your turn, but I wouldn't mind doing the other freak show blend, red blend that I have. Well, so ca- calendar wise, next week is an off week for us because okay. we have some internal life projects that we're going to work yeah. on. Um, so maybe we'll try the freak show then and maybe okay. we'll write it. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll take notes. Sure. Which we always intend to do. Yeah. And cause we're going to be taking notes on other things and maybe we'll both write independent reviews and actually post something to tastinganarchy.com. Yeah. And not do a show on it. Okay. Or, you know, we, I might, or I might try, no, we'll, we'll do something. Yeah. We'll, we'll do something where we'll have something go up and you guys won't understand what we're referencing in it, but we'll put something up in regard to it. And then you'll hear the shows months later and you'll be like, Oh, that's what those idiots right. were talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> so tastinganarchy.com, tastinganarchy on Twitter. Um, if you need hosting, Bluehost, you know, mm-hmm. we're hopefully we'll, by this point, we'll have affiliate links. Yeah, we do get a commission on it, but it does help us out. Um, you know, the, the whole goal is to provide you guys a different aspect on wine and things like that. And, you know, if you, if you're interested, if you, if you're a winery and you want us to try something that you produce, if you can legally send it to us, great. We'll, you know, let us know, tastinganarchy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if it's something that we, we need to buy, but you have a, a way we can get it at a, at a discount or something like that, we'd sure. be glad to, yeah. glad to try it. Um, 
are not adverse to suggestions for wine types or wine varieties of type, or if you, you know, listen to a show and we badmouth your favorite wine or we badmouth or we love a wine that you guys just absolutely thought was dog crap, let us know. Like, yeah. let, you know, we, we don't have a lot of fans at this point because we're doing this kind of in the dark and right. we have this big back catalog, but we want to know what you guys think and what, you know, are you finding the things that we're saying useful? Does it make sense what we're talking about? Are we using terms that are just, absolutely insane for what you guys are tasting or seeing in things or you know what what's going on with you guys like what's yeah what what do you think like yeah we're behind because we always kind of do a current event but you know right like what were you thinking at the time how did things change by the time you're hearing this now and if there's something else you want us to go over like i'm i'm more than happy to go do a little research on this that's one of the reasons why i introduced the the barrel information this time just because it was it's a good information let's let's talk a little bit why why do we keep talking about this yeah so uh so that's that's about it yeah from jacob from mason stay abolitionists all right bye guys